Blog Talk Radio. all this taking place, and so many other stories, okay? 
So hang in there with us, man. I'm going to hit a lot of stuff, some really cool headlines. Um, uh, so, and we got some time to get it out of here. So uh, hang with us. Let me see here, and we're going to run we this one. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. There's a need for a new world order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of, of the world. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. The pieces are in flux. Soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. And the president outlined his vision of the new world order in which the U.S. would participate fully. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. I think a new world order is emerging, and with it the foundations of a new and progressive era of international cooperation. We have resolved that from today, we will together manage the process of globalization to secure responsibility from all and fairness to all. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. And the system wants us all chasing our tails, fighting with each other, men fighting with women, people fighting over what skin color they are, people obsessing over political correctness, while the robber barons run around establishing a private, above-the-law, corporate world government with diplomatic immunity, strip mining, free humanity. That's what's happened. Yes, indeed. And I will tell you this. We, of course, as we begin this holiday season, I cannot let you forget the Trump prophecy for No. 7. Now, some of these things have not happened yet. Uh, well, only a few, actually. Now, this is from uh, Kim Clement. He was a modern-day prophet. He died just a few days after Trump won his election. Those of you who listen regularly okay, have heard this clip before, among the many others that I often play, to show exactly where we are and exactly, for instance, uh, you know, John F. JFK's uh, Secret Society speech, which is where he tells us who these people are. They're globalists, and they belong in these secret societies, of which there are many. I'm still researching a host of them. Okay, the ones that we don't know about, they're there, and uh, I'm, I'm, there was one in particular I'm trying to ferret out. Uh, I have taken a bit of a, a riding hiatus because I've been, as I said, I've been doing this for so long. But I do enjoy doing this show, and it, it's sort of I'm, I'm staying fully up on the knowledge of everything that's going on. And uh, probably some of the things I'm going to be hitting you with tonight are things that you have not yet heard, but they are true. These are well sourced. Okay. Uh, from even top media organizations, it's just things that are written that are not necessarily being spread out. And as you know, there is a very powerful um, cross-section of journalists 
who are being controlled by the New World Order, by the globalists, by the deep state, uh, by the shadow government, uh, which the CIA is uh, intimately connected, okay, in so many ways. And the CIA has been running this Operation Mockingbird for a very long time. And you go all the way back, all the way back to uh, J. Edgar Hoover back in the 1930s. And remember, he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't expire <clears throat> excuse me, until the Nixon administration. <clears throat> and uh, first time I've gotten horse all day, of course, when the show begins. Uh, but he, even then, J. Edgar Hoover was planting stories in an adoring media, okay? And don't get me wrong, I, you know, the, the, J. Edgar Hoover had his, his issues, obviously, and quite a few. But... He, you know, this guy really did want to protect America. I'm not sure if I approve of all of his means from what I have seen. There's, and I would like to study him a little bit more. I was, um, I've watched several different things on what he did during his time. Okay, but anyway, it, it, this stuff goes all the way back. What is happening? So, without further ado, I do want you to hear what Kim Clemente had to say before any of this ever. You know, it was not even a sparkle in anybody's eye. Folks, this is back in 2007, before even Obama reached his ascension to the throne. So uh, check this out. If you hadn't heard it, uh, from 2007. Okay, I'm doing my lips real funny, as if you could probably read them, but here you go. Check it out. This that shall take place shall be the most unusual thing. A transfiguration. A going into the marketplace, if you wish into the news media where Time Magazine will have no choice but to say what I want them to say. Newsweek, what I want to say. The View, what I want to say. Trump shall become a trumpet, says the Lord. Trump shall become a trumpet. Up the Trumps to become a trumpet and Bill Gates to open up the gate of a financial realm for the church, says the Lord. I will not forget 9 11. I will not forget what took place that day. And I will not forget the gatekeeper that watched over New York who will once again stand and watch over this nation, says the Spirit of God. It shall come to pass that the man that I place in the highest office shall go in whispering my name. But God said when he enters into the office, he will be shouting out by the power of the Spirit, for I shall fill him with my Spirit when he goes into office, and there will be a praying man in the highest seat in your land praying president, not a religious one, but I will fool the people, says the Lord. I will fool the people. Yes, I will. God says, the one that is chosen shall go in and they shall say, he has hot blood. But the Spirit of God says, yes, he may have hot blood, but he will bring the walls of protection on this country in a greater way and the economy of this country shall change rapidly, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to the word of the Lord. God says, I will put at your helm for two terms. 
a president that will pray, but he will not be a praying president when he starts. I will put him in office and then I will baptize him with the Holy Spirit and my power, says the Lord of hosts. Come on! And there we go. And um, in that particular vein now, of that general, I do want you to hear what he had to say as we move into the meat of the show. Um, and then I want to talk to you about what's going on in Venezuela, what uh, what hardcore socialism for you millennials out there. I know they've. It's not your fault, okay? It's just not your fault. You have been chained. You have been what is it? Trained by a bunch of uh, just pinheaded idiots. I guess is the best way to put it. Just misled globalists, the members of the Illuminati Club, I don't know, what do you want to call them, okay, the useful idiots of the left, I don't know, but they're trying to ruin your life, they're trying to take away the prosperity that all of us, including the Founding Fathers, worked so hard to build for you, okay, I don't do this because I love it, I do this because I love America, okay, and the thing about all of these Everything that's going on right now, uh, kids, is for those of you who are listening, because apparently we have a large audience of them. I was looking at it the other day. I was going, wow, well, that's cool. Uh, we have some very intelligent youngings, but we just need to show them the way. Look, the whole premise of what we are doing is trying to keep you free. I mean, who could refuse that? Do you think you don't want to be free? Seriously? Do you want to be controlled? by a government that doesn't give a damn about you? You want to be controlled by a bunch of people who, look, I mean, some of the top senators and congressmen have been in Congress for a total of 280 years, if you total that up. I was on Laura Ingram's show last night. I was like, wow, that's an excellent, very very wise way to put it. 280 freaking years. They don't belong. It was not the way it was intended. We were not supposed to have career politicians, which is the ultimate problem. They get up there and they start to, uh, they find out that there are lobbyists that will fill their campaign coffers. And, you know, advertising, and Trump has proved, by the way, that it's not all in just advertising. Okay, there is, got to have some substance there. I believe uh, Trump and Hillary both proved that particular argument. How much did she spend? Nearly a, or over a billion dollars, and he spent like $200 million? which was really just, you know, a drop in the bucket for him, which I think is funny. Uh, but anyway, the, the whole point of all of this, especially as it regards the conservative movement, is to keep you free and keep you prosperous, okay? That's it. I mean, that's the and, – and maybe you'll pick up some spiritual awareness on the way. Not the wrong kind, okay? The right kind, the kind that has guided this nation – uh, to be one of the most powerful and yet one of the most benevolent nations on the planet. Yeah, some of you may laugh. You've been listening to the wrong press. We have beaten back totalitarianism at least three times, if we include Great Britain. That was the beast of, the, of that era, okay? That was a world government of that era, and they're still fully in play, don't get me wrong. So anyway, uh, listen to this uh, particular general and uh, just, you know, <laughs> I tell you. Anyway, just check it out. The head of the U.S. Strategic Command, or STRATCOM, said Saturday he would say no to a nuclear strike order from the president if he had to. I provide advice to the president. He'll tell me what to do, and if it's and if it's illegal, guess what's going to happen? You say no. I'm going to say, Mr. President, that's illegal, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to say, what would be legal? 
and we'll come up with options of a mix of capabilities to respond to whatever the situation is, and that's the way it works. It's not that complicated. General John Hyten's comments come just days after a bipartisan Senate hearing on the issue, the first of its kind in more than 40 years. We are concerned that the President of the United States is so unstable, is so volatile, has a decision-making process that is so quixotic that he might order a nuclear weapons strike that is wildly out of step with U.S. national security interests. Hyten's statements seem to echo testimony given by the former head of STRATCOM, General C. Robert Kaler. The United States military doesn't blindly follow orders. The nuclear decision process includes assessment, review, and consultation between the president and key civilian and military leaders. All this comes as the back and forth between North Korea and U.S. President Donald Trump becomes increasingly volatile. But the point national security experts seem to be driving home is that no president could force a nuclear strike without some sort of oversight. Former National Security Council advisor Peter Fever, who spoke at Tuesday's Senate committee hearing, told Fox that even if a strike were ordered, officials would likely halt the process and get some clarity before making any moves. Yes, and you know, it's so funny that the mainstream media, okay, they never wanted to talk about Obama's litmus test. Have you, do you recall the litmus test? Now, see, this is the thing. This is what it points to as we head into this Thanksgiving and this marvelous year full of hardships, okay, for many people. Uh, but on the other hand, what we have seen is an economy that has suddenly roared into life. We're not putting this uh, this this Marxist socialism that Obama was pushing. That that that's not that's like water in the gas tank, folks. That's 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 gone. I mean, what you're getting now is pure. Petrol, okay, and this stuff is volatile. This is what happens when you have an actual leader of the free world, and this is—it hasn't just lifted America's boats; it's lifted the entire economies across the planet. Well, for the most part, there are a few that are suffering. I saw where China is laying off about two million, and you know, China was really in worse financial shape than we ever thought about being in. By the way, um, so but here's a. Uh, Here's an idea. Now, this general in charge of the U.S. The U.S. nukes said that he, you know, he uh, he can defy an illegal strike order from the president. Well, I guess so. Um, but uh, the whole point is that would apply to anybody. And now this was just another Democrat play game. Okay, this was a another sort of um, uh, what do you want to call it? A, a sort of a false matrix being presented. Where is Trump's volatility, seriously? You, you know, when you stop and look at it, the actual volatility is contained in the left, okay, which has embraced Black Lives Matter, which has rioted and killed people. They've embraced Antifa, which has rioted and gotten people killed, and many of them have killed. Remember the Dallas slaughter. Uh, remember all the violence that's taking place. Now, don't you think that those uh, political entities that the Democrats have embraced – Remember, they were getting up on the stage and saying, black lives matter, all lives matter. And for the most part, I like, you know, 90% of them were saying black lives matter. So in other words, those other lives don't matter. And that's one of the things that Hillary said. And this is why they're losing. There's a very strong reason of why they are losing, because, uh, you know, Trump calls it the forgotten American, but uh, I think it's more like the ignored American. (laughs) 
mean, you know, yeah, well, sort of forgotten, but certainly ignored because we were raising hell during the Tea Party. And you saw what they were saying about, oh, they were violent and all of this nonsense, racist. Oh, yeah, racist. I mean, it was incredible. And and then you get these left-wing groups out here, and they're raising hell and catching things on fire and blowing up cars and attacking people right and left. And, and oh, well, you know, they're just acting out. You just have to let them act out. This, you, you see the difference? Do you see? The Tea Party was the – and, folks, now I'm just going to say the Tea Party is still, I mean, firmly in play. They are taking over the entire political process in D.C., that's what we're seeing right now. Look, the whole goal was first, you got to get the uh, the hardcore leftist out of there. Pretty much achieved that, at, at least uh, by and large. And, uh, you know, I, I told you eight years ago that, uh, that Obama would be the Pied Piper leading his party out of Washington, D.C. I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist uh, out here in Heartland America to see that, one that was fully in touch and has been for many, many years within the political process. And sure enough, he did. Look at where we are. Uh, all of a sudden, we've t- well, not all of a sudden, but we've taken over the House, fully taken it over, okay? And then we took, and that was back, I think, in 2010, okay? And then we took over the Senate, I believe that was uh, 2012, I think. And then in 2014, we, we solidified our positions across the board, and um, 2016, we won the presidency. So, you know, those were my goals. There was one left, though, okay, after we get all of these out of there and get some real Americans in there, some traditional Americans who wanted America to be the way that it always has been instead of some, you know, uh, transmogrified, transformative Obama dream world where these people walk around like political zombies don't knowing not knowing what the hell is going on. I got something to say about that by the way. In regards to Fourth Horseman, and you're gonna love this, and this comes this came to us from Lee Daniel. He pointed this out to me and he is a biblical scholar. He is also a demonologist, okay? And uh that's going to be uh, I believe uh, I hate to say it, but it's going to be a very valuable asset to have as we move deeper into the times that we are entering into. That's my belief. And so far, I really haven't been wrong about any of these things, except Romney getting elected. Okay, I have to throw that out there every time. But it's true. I mean, I thought I didn't think that anybody was stupid enough to vote for Obama again, and I did underestimate the, you know, well, you know, the the coastal um, elite areas. That would be California, Washington, Oregon, and pretty much the entire northeastern United States, well, for the most part. And those were just, you know, the coastal areas. I don't know why the hell they're there. But anyway, uh, we can always hope for a tsunami. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So anyway, there was one interesting story that I saw in conjunction with all of this. And see the left, I mean, as in um, Sanders and uh, to a lesser degree, perhaps, Hillary Clinton, and pretty much all of them, Schumer, I mean, you name it, they're all on board, or they're all members of this elitist club that is getting pummeled because they all turned out to be sexual perverts and deviants. I mean, you know, the, the ones that, remember that study? that You know, if you, if, um, how did it go? Oh, uh, they did a study, I think it was something like a Pew Trust thing, and they tried to cover it up after it was done. But what they determined was, you know, the, the most people perceived uh, conservatives and Republicans to be far more attractive, right, <laughs> than, than uh, Democrats, liberals, and progressives, okay? 
And uh, not only that, what they also found out was that uh, as far as upper body strength goes, all conservatives uh, blow the left away, which makes sense. I mean, we're heartland Americans. I mean, many of us raised on farms and you know, used to doing um, hardcore physical work in addition to our mental exercises and business acumen, right? So uh, I just thought that was hilarious to, to see that. Uh, and then, you know, now the Wall Street Journal did publish a story. You have to look this up, okay? I sent it to a few friends, but it was talking about the four personality types. You have the testosterone type. That would probably be be, be me, according to everybody that I, you know, that, that I showed it. And I said, now, what do you think? And they were, oh, you're definitely that. But then there was the uh, the estrogen types. Okay, and I believe it goes across male, female, and it is, it is not necessarily a negative thing because you know, uh, male and female brains are full of estrogen. By the way, did you know that? Oh yeah, it's true. It's uh, anyway, yeah, it is true. Um, and testosterone is that is not look that is not the hormone of aggression. It's just the hormone of maleness. That's all it is, and it's really a feel good, you know positive uh happy hormone it's uh it's not one of these uh, progesterone which is a byproduct i used to study this stuff all the time in weightlifting but progesterone is the bad guy i mean they i think it was they fed um uh like a rat a female rat they they they, they depleted it of estrogen and fed it a just a a you know a, a vast amount of progesterone and before they could turn around, the thing was eating its young, okay? So uh, all of these things come together to produce the right quantities. But whenever you have something that spins out of control, it can go really out of control. That's why you see roid rage, okay? That's when you see testosterone gets can, can get amped into other things, okay? It can easily turn into estrogen. And that's what happens with weightlifters when they're on their cycles. Uh, they have... That the it, it it goes both ways. It goes to what they call dehydrotestosterone, which is not such a positive thing. Okay, and then the other side of it is is it can be easily turned into estrogen. Testosterone can, as I recall, uh, and when that happens, things go. That, that's when they lose essentially a male testicle stop uh, producing because they've had all the hormones in there, and your body signals not to produce any more testosterone. Hey, it's like, hey man, no, no more, no more, because it really is and and. And too great of a quantity, it can it just as an estrogen supposedly, it can really start messing with people. Okay, and so this is why they have what they call roid rage. That testosterone is amped into various other hormonal substances. Okay, and it can wreak havoc. That's why these guys, you know, they get the lantern jaws, the ones that and they get mean and they they lose their personality when they go through one of these cycles. I knew one guy and it wrecked him. I mean, he was such a nice, you know, cool guy, and he he kept. But shooting it up, actually, and shooting it up, and I was like, dude, man, you just, just, you know, take a, a anti-aromatose inhibitor. That's what you want. You don't need to be this big muscle-bound brute. I mean, just, you know, be be toned and be cool, and, you know, that stuff's going to cause all sorts of problems with you because it does. It, it gets amped into other hormones. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to – some of you are probably going, oh, why do we want to know this? Well, I just think it's a fascinating thing. But the four personality types are testosterone, estrogen, uh, dopamine, and what was the other one? Uh, let me see. Testosterone, estrogen, dopamine. There was a third one. I mean, I'm sorry, a fourth one, Okay. Let me think about it just a little bit more. Um, dang, i got to look that up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to look it up. I've got it right here. Let me see here, and I'll tell you. I'll give you a little bit more on it, then we got to move on through here because I sent it to somebody, and there it is. 
Uh, they, they also, they, the Wall Street Journal has been doing really well. They didn't, by the way, deliver my paper. That is not good. Um, that's not what I want. Get rid of that one. There we go. And it's, uh, wait a minute. Well, it's not that one. Well, where in the heck is it? No, it's not there. Uh, I thought I sent it out. I'm sure I did. Wait a minute. Oh, David Cassidy died. That sucks. Um, okay. Yeah, um, Wall Street Journal. Anyway, okay, let me skip to this story, and then I'll get back to that. I'll let you hear about it. But now, did you see what's happening in Venezuela? Okay, this now this is once one of Latin America's. I've been there, okay? And I didn't think it was anything fantastic, okay? It was kind of spooky because we took a bus ride over the mountains. We showed up uh, in Port, I forget the name, the Porto Delgado was the name of it, and, uh, and my destroyer. And uh, then we transited in a bus over some mountains into Caracas, okay? And that was a kind of a harrowing ride, I believe. But anyway, we got there, and it was fine. It was cool. It was good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was it was really a powerhouse country at one time, Venezuela was. And then you see the ravages of socialism take over, okay, uh, from a once capitalist nation. They started nationalizing their oil. That's what, that was their first mistake. So they stole all of this, uh, all this oil producing uh, from the uh, the the uh, private companies that were there, uh, which are far superior to any government, uh, you know, company. And then they, they started, uh, you know, using their oil for what the problem is that uh, the, the bottom dropped out of the oil market. So, you know, it was going for $100 a barrel. All of a sudden it gets slashed anywhere from, you know, down to 50 and sometimes $43 a barrel. So they, they lost half of pretty much all their wealth. This is why they they tell you don't put all your eggs in one basket, okay? <laughs> So, but they did. They were like, okay, you know, we're going to run with this. Not very bright, not very bright. So when that happened, then, then, then the, uh, the, uh, the guy that, uh, I forget, I always, he's dead now, okay? And what is his name? Um, anyway, not important at this point, but he turned the country towards socialism. And then this guy that has come in there now, look, it, it's so sorry, Okay, because you, these people are losing weight. They've lost 30%, folks, of their weight. They can't eat. There's nothing to eat. Uh, they feed them their children. At, they comb through trash, scraps of chicken, potato. Uh, she took her kid to the hospital, um, a rice milk concoction. Okay, the kid weighs like 11 pounds. I mean, it's just um, he's, and he's a year old, and he weighs 11. I mean, it's just incredible. And she says that the, the lady who they're speaking with, in this case, <clears throat> she keeps getting weaker and weaker. She says, I never thought I'd see Venezuela like this. Well, you know, you did it, madam. That's the thing. They voted for these leftists. And, and folks, this always comes from the left. That's the thing. This is socialism. This is, you know, the, they, they're, they're writing reports now that millennials believe in socialism. They think it's a wonderful thing, about half of them. That's not good because, you know, America could go down this tube like this. So it was once, Venezuela, folks, was once Latin America's richest producing food for export. I mean, they were, they were on fire. And now they can't grow their own food to feed their own people. They, they have to go across the bridge to get in the other, now. I think it's uh, Bolivia in many cases, to get any food. They've nationalized everything, and that's, isn't that supposed to be the panacea to get rid of private companies and to nationalize everything? And then it'll be all hunky-dory, and we'll all share in the wealth, and you see where the wealth is. These people are freaking starving, guys, okay? 
they're starving, ladies and gentlemen, and they they can't they they can't even move. And now they've got this massive uh, currency. It, it's starting to look like the Weimar Republic in Germany, right back before uh, World War II. Uh, Venezuela has the world's highest inflation, seven hundred twenty percent per year this year. So this makes it impossible for families to make ends meet. So the economy is shrinking. Now, this is all under socialism. Uh, So do you really want this? Seriously, do you really want this? The imports of food have plunged 70%. They can't pay for their food. They're in debt up to their ears. Uh, The Goldman Sachs, the Vampire Squid Bank, just recently, and I've got another story on them, but they they invested in Venezuela while this is going. I don't know what the hell is wrong with Goldman Sachs, but they got plenty of problems, right? I mean, they they are a globalist organization. They're run by the Illuminati, most likely. Okay, I can't prove that, but it probably is. And then you've got all of these people in tow rummaging through garbage. That's all they do, folks. People in the countryside picking farm cleans at night, stealing to eat. Okay, uh, stealing farmers' fruits from their trees, stealing pumpkins. I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, can you imagine yourself with your iPhone now uh, living in a wonderful, nice, warm house? Your parents have jobs. You're doing okay. You're doing fine, okay? You're probably going, gee, the, the job market is opening up back up. I wonder why. And it ain't because of Obama. Let me just say it's because Trump has gone to Washington. He is straightening this mess out. And this is not just Obama's mess. This is also Bush's mess. This is also the other Bush's mess. This is also Clinton's mess. The the last time we were in good shape, I mean truly good shape, was back during Reagan's day. That's a long time ago, man. We're talking over a generation ago. And then you've got this globalist Bush, who's probably one of the sorriest, most pathetic Republicans that ever took office, in addition to his dad, that other one who's groping women right and left. That's pathetic from his wheelchair. I do not like those people. I don't even know who I like worse or less, Obama or Bush. I'll tell you, these, they're peas in a pod, let me just say. So and, and, you know, the funny thing is, is I thought it was just me. It is not. It is a lot of Americans. They see... Uh, what this idiot George Bush and George H.W. Bush have done, and I am not a fan. I know there's a lot of Republicans, icons even, who, who, who you know, they adore the ground that the Bushes walked on, and still we finally identified, and I was the ones that helped identify who these people are. They are globalists. They do not have, you know, America first. <clears throat> Make America great again. Uh, America first. Now, you know, don't you, if you were a family member, shouldn't your family come first, especially if you're a dad or a mom? Don't you always say my family first? Now, what if you were saying that family over there first, not my family, that one over there, that family who I worship, who I want to be like, um, I want them to be first. Now, can you imagine doing that? Well, folks, this is exactly what the globalists, so many of these politicians up there are doing. They're saying, no, that family over there first. And so you look over there to see what's there, and you don't see anything. Well, you're like, well, what the hell's there? Who is this that's supposed to be first before us, our country? Who is supposed to be first? And they can't answer that question, and they won't answer it. They won't even admit to it. But it's true. They won't admit that they are a member of this globalist club. And that's the thing. It is a club. 
And it is comprised of all of these various, you know, Council on Foreign Relations, of which the Wall Street Journal and so many other publications and individuals are members. Uh, the, you know, the Bilderbergers, right? Uh, the, these are these are all uh, entities, organizations. These uh, these uh, not for profits, the Ford Foundations. Okay, they all have one, and they are they are primarily made up of secret entities, societies that control them. Okay, the the membership is common within these various societies, and it and it runs the gamut. And and you can go back and start digging uh, digging out the links between these people and these organizations. And folks, <laughs> the rabbit hole goes very very deep. And I mean, you can go to the Illuminati website. I've told you, I promised you I would write the story. I will. A lot of people don't even know that the, it does exist. Hell, I'll play you the commercial in just a minute. But you see, these things that I'm ex- describing to you, these globalist entities, Council on Foreign Relations, they get nauseous when you say America first. Okay, They get nauseous when you say, make America great again. They want the global government. They want a one-world centralized government. I wrote the story on the Jehovah's Witnesses. They were coming out and saying, this was several years back, talking about a one-world government. And then I have clips of Charles Manson talking about a one-world. And that guy, I mean, he was a, he was a demonic nutcase if ever there were one. Okay, So anyway, three in four Venezuelans, okay, Lost weight last year, an average of 20 pounds. So this is the Venezuelan weight loss program, and it's doing very well. Okay, only problem is you stay hungry all the damn time, and even if you want to eat, you can't. Uh, okay, so that's a good deal, right? For a lot of people out there, that would be uh, not so good. In, in fact, okay, they uh, everybody likes to know that they have food if they need it. Uh, so you have uh, Venezuela is is like and, and by the way you don't need to just look at Venezuela as is as a a maximum socialist exposure as a maximum it is a Marxist socialist country that is fully into that particular trolley you know that that goes between remember Marxism is the ideology that uh, that basically lays down the template for the political maneuverings and the various Hegelian dialectics that they use to move individuals towards mar- towards communism, in essence, okay? a collectivist union. And, and, you know, you've heard so many times Rush do his Thanksgiving story, and he tells you time and time, every single year, look it up, Russia's Thanksgiving story, they tried collectivism, and it wasn't because they were socialists or any of those things. They just thought, oh, well, you know, this would be fair. This is a fair way to do it. And they about starved. And you see the same thing happening in Venezuela, okay? And and you saw what happened to the Soviet Union. And you're going to see what happens to China. China's a little bit different. It's more of a fascist state capitalist nation run by communists at the very top, you see. So that's just a sort of a, a nutshell uh, compendium of how they operate their system, and that, by the way, is the crucible. That is the uh, the laboratory, if you will, of where they're trying to understand what type of um, totalitarian society, which William Cooper called it. Um, what did he call it? What was it? A totalitarian socialism, I believe where, you know, the, the ones at the very top, and that's always a problem with socialism, by the way. You see what they're doing is, is not only they are conveying, they, they talk as if it's a collective and the government owns the means of production and all of that. 
and so that everybody's supposed to get a fair. But she's, the problem with it is that they are always run by oligarchs at the very top, and that's it. They're the ones who get all the wealth. They are the ones who decide who gets to eat and who doesn't, who gets medical treatment and who doesn't, which, by the way, that's where Obamacare comes in as far as we're concerned and, and some of many, of many other ways. But they make the decisions at the very top, and that's it. That's the, that's the essence of a socialist society. Okay, so you can, and it goes along with sort of the the mantra, elect who you want, nothing's going to change. Well, until you get a rainmaker, changemaker in there like Trump, and that was a that was why we elected him. And, you know, I listen to Russia's show, and I listen to the various other programs, and you still have these, I don't know, man, what, the, I don't, hey, are they just clueless Republicans that call in? Clueless conservatives, there are plenty of those. The ones that, that believe we're we're operating uh, in what we call free trade, and they're they're so freaking dumb. There is no true free trade when you have uh, what 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 is it? Uh, state-owned uh, business, uh, state-run businesses that, are, that that really depend on taxpayer funding, so they don't have to make a profit. Um, you know that that's the essence, and plus. You have a highly – it's highly protectionist on one side, and that's the way it is with most of these entities from Mexico to Canada to China and, and throughout. The problem is it's free on our end, but it's not free on their end, so therefore it isn't free trade. And you try to hammer in – it's just some, some dumbass conservative. What do we call them? Um, crap. Um, I can't believe I'm in my show head. I'm drawing a blank on that, but – you know, the Bill Crystal types. What do they call them? The establishment Republicans is a good word for them. Um, but they're, they're more than that. They're globalist Republicans, okay? And they insist upon free trade when, in fact, it's no, it's, it is not free trade. It is high, uh, free on one side and highly controlled on the other. That's not free. That's half free. And we are, we are the ones who lose out, and, except the ones at the very top. Now, as you know, when Obama was in office, the gap suddenly started getting wider and wider and wider. And to a lesser degree, it, it was that, that way as well with uh, President Bush. You'd have to go all the way back to 73, which was about the last time. Uh, that was, by the way, during, I believe it was Nixon. But that was uh, about the last year, as I, as I recall, that was the last year uh, where wages you know, were, were actually gaining at a at a fairly rapacious rate, and then it's not doing it anymore. We've been left behind, and then we then then Clinton signed the China the WTO arrangement, and uh, then it was just a giant sucking sound, as Ross Perot called it back uh, back in the I think it was in the 90s or 2000s. Anyway, I mean this is you know it, it's not, really isn't rocket science once you notice, recognize, identify how it all fits together. And meanwhile, back to the Venezuela story. You've got unrest that has gotten 35 people killed. You've got a food ministry, the president's office, communications ministry. They don't recurrent calls. The government is non-responsive because they don't have to be. They're in control of everything. As a matter of fact, if you say anything to them, they'll probably kill you. Uh, and here for the government, there are, are mal, no malnourished children, said Livia Machado. Uh, she is a physician and malnutrition expert. The reality is this is an epidemic, and everyone should be paying attention to this, but the government isn't. They're, they're in denial? Not really. They're in hiding. Okay, they're high. So the the point is, Venezuela is going down the tubes. And by the way, there's another story tonight 
where they have seized four American, apparently their business got business types, uh, and have accused them of something, some you know fraud or something like that. I've got that story here. So the the whole point of this is the millennials and all of these types, as we celebrate our Thanksgiving, and we have got a lot to be thankful for. And and I would urge you every night to get on your knees and pray for the president. You know what he is doing, okay? Is is so wonderful. It is it, America is back. We're back. I mean, we are. And you've got a new leader of the free world, and this guy is a true leader. Obama was not a leader of the free world. He was not the leader. He there was nothing free about his administration. It was all about control. And it was all about transformation and social justice. That is not freedom. Okay, so you've got just a host of things going on. This is a Wall Street Journal story, uh, but uh, it's just they're calling it a high-speed crash. And they're just you, you go down this line of this story, and I didn't. I don't think I put it in the show, but I just wanted to point it out because I was reading it. Uh, from I think it was Monday's Wall Street Journal. They didn't deliver it today, so I had to go back and read some of the things that I may have missed. And this is a powerful story. And you know they they call capitalism a dirty name when it is the vehicle that got us where we are. And the only problem over the last 20 years is we have departed from true pure capitalism. And there is no true pure. I mean, there's always regulation and that sort of thing. But in the natural order of things, the most natural and the most successful is always true capitalism. That is the the tide that rises all boats. And while it may not be perfect and it may be a little unfair, okay, everybody can find their place within the system. And they, they have full free will, which is what God wanted. He wanted you to have full he gave it he gave that that was his gift to us free will he's not going to tell us what we have to do he's not going to order us around he's, he's he makes suggestions for good living okay that's called the bible and he gives you a history lesson along with it and then he gives you prophecy of which most of it has now come true within the bible he gives you to, to that and that is essentially the proof is telling you you know follow all these things and look at this and if you study this you'll see that I'm right, and uh, that's that's the very thing. Pray, okay. Get on your knees and pray. That I always say, getting on your knees, it lets God know you're serious about what you're praying about. And I think it's true. Uh, it's just sh- you know showing humbleness before God. So uh, it, it really doesn't. And and now this this segueing from God and Venezuela into what is happening now with this. Uh, Mr. Trump going to Washington. We, we're seeing all of these things happening. We're seeing the left lose its mind, literally. And uh, there was this thing about the, the you know, the, the fourth horseman uh, riding, and it, it, it is true. Okay, and this uh, this goes back to uh, a show that we had, and I, I it was a story that I wrote back, I think, in early 2016, uh, trying to understand everything that was going on, and. One of the things uh, in discussing this with my co-host, Lee Daniel, okay, and he is a biblical expert, there is no doubt about it. Um, He could have been an ordained priest. I think he decided not to. He may yet. But uh, I called it the quickening, and that that is what we're seeing. And we we continue to see it. We see, in essence, it's almost as if quickening has occurred across the planet. Everyone has been yoked. And this is what that verse says. 
And, you know, I hate throwing Bible verses at you because a lot of people don't like that. But uh, sorry, I mean, it's just it is the way that it is. And you look at it. But but listen to this. Just look and listen. Uh, everyone, does this sound familiar to you? Because I keep seeing this. It keeps popping into my head. Every time I watch what's happening, we're seeing this purge take place, not just in Hollywood. Now it's spreading to D.C. The question is, where does it go next? Um, and, and, and what sort of... Um, um, what face does it have next? I mean, you, you're seeing the pedophiles being outed, these evil, demonic people who have, uh, I don't know, something's come on. I don't know. That, that To me, that's one of the wicked, most evil things that you can do to a child. But then you see them, they are also doing it with women. And, and folks, the, the, the satanic underpinnings of this are rampant. I mean, pedophilia is a part of Satanism. Child sacrifice, that is a worship of Moloch. What is it that the Democrats are constantly pushing and fighting for? The sacrifice of children via abortion. Who do they sacrifice to? Well, they sacrifice to Moloch, but then they get a payola. And so Mammon then, you know, the, the, the demigod Mammon comes into the picture. These are ancient pagan gods, and whether they mean to or whether they like it or not, they're still either directly or indirectly indirectly. Uh, worshiping these entities, and this is what I see. So you know, it, it, it's all everything that you see taking place is connected into the spiritual, folks. It's wired in and it's hardwired. You can't separate it. Uh, and this is the whole point behind. I think the Bible verse Paul. We we we. What is it? Uh, we battle not uh, in the flesh, but against uh, the uh, you know spirits and principalities and entities who are in control uh, or try to be in control. It's a constant battle that we have. And when you look out and see all the mayhem and the chaos taking place, that is the nexus of what this battle is all about. That's the uh, physical iteration of what you're seeing taking place in the spiritual world. It's incredible. But that chaos is being transmuted from that ether world. I mean, that's... That is probably the most apt explanation that I could give you for what is happening right now. These worlds mirror one another. As it is on earth, so it is in heaven. And the heavens uh, could mean a number of different things. Okay, so uh, in essence, this quickening is taking place. It has occurred, I believe, across the planet. Everyone is being yoked in their various ideological positions for all to see. And now none can escape their seminal position. They can't get out of it. Okay. And you see this with Rose. I think he stopped, uh, supposedly, at least the reports of him uh, abusing women or trying to, you know, uh, uh, harass them, I guess. Um, eight women. There was a few more that came forward, too, on top of those. And you're sitting there going, Charlie Rose, seriously? You're flipping out. But he did. So the thing is, 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 is you, he can't, even though the last of that supposedly, I say supposedly, took place, what, uh, back five years ago, he's still locked in, and it's still there, okay, he's still being outed. And so what Lee Daniel had explained was that the four horsemen of the apocalypse have seen constant debate uh, as far as we're concerned. Uh, But he says that the, uh, the third horse of the apocalypse, a black horse bearing a rider, holding the scales of balance, may represent an actual yoking of individuals into their various belief systems for all to see. So what is the fourth horseman? Well, that's that's what's coming next. Now, look, 
Daniel asserts that several verses in Revelation support his theory, including 22.11 of Revelation, which states, and listen to this now, and, and in view of how I am explaining this to you, he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. In 11, verse 11, it says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. You see that? See this? And the one who is filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteous. And the one who is holy keep himself holy and behold. And so what he's saying is, uh, it's it, you can't get out of that position once this third horseman rides. Okay? And then that, that brings up the question, okay, so if, if this third horseman is riding, and they're all still riding, you know, behold a pale horse, they're all still riding. So uh, the question, I think, becomes what is the next one? But anyway, that's why I put the fourth horseman up there. Daniel contends that the remarkable political race of 2016, in addition to the political chaos continually erupting across the planet, is a symptom of this yoking into respective positions, and that it's being held by these politicians and their supporters, and they just can't seem to get out of it. And look at what's happened to Hillary. You know, a lot of people have tried. Oh well, you know, they're they're dumping her. Uh, oh well, you know, they're they're gonna they're stop. They've she's no longer beguiling them. Well, maybe there's some fact to that. But what if it's uh, what if they're being what if what if the third horseman has exposed them, and what if the scales have dropped from the eyes of even her own followers so that they see what we have all, others of us who are not Hillary fans, have always seen the Clinton body count, that thing that I wrote, which is still extraordinarily popular because it lays out all these different individuals who have been uh, dearly departed and uh, they were all either you know enemies or knew too much about the Clintons. Okay, uh, So uh, many across the planet, and this is true, you can only shake your heads in, in astonishment at the spectacle unfolding. Go look at Merkel over in Germany. Go look at France, who was going to be the, what was the god Jupiter, he told everybody. All right? Not very popular anymore. I mean, they see through his bullshit, quite frankly, and I, that's what's happening. They're seeing through all the bullshit. And, uh, you know, the, 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 I, I just think that's, and, and there was another country, too. It was France. It was Germany. It was there was even one other. I forget what the what the. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll come across that story in a minute. But the point is, everybody is being exposed for what they truly are. Merkel is a failure. Look at what she has done. To, she she just trotted in over 1.4 million okay um, illegal refugees, Syrians for the most part, but they're you know Mid East refugees. And they're causing chaos. It's like putting a velociraptor into the middle of your major city, wherever you may be. Can you imagine a pen of velociraptors just turning them loose into a, you know, a, a, a city that is where everybody is more or less acting in harmony, right, or a metropolitan area? I mean, that's what these people are. They've been turned loose, these animals, these savages who have their own way of life and will insist upon it, they don't belong there. They're they're in the wrong... They're, it's it's like putting a caveman... I mean, they don't know how to act, They don't, and they think that they should impose their own, their own societal norms on the society that seems completely out of control to them. And then they take advantage of the women because that's what they do in their own nation. I mean, constantly. So this yoking into place 
can now be seen as even those once deemed as patriotic allies of the of the various political movements they are coming out of the closet in support of their ideological opposites in many cases. The, the latest case of this yoking, and we saw it with Charles Koch, saying, that, oh, you know, I might vote for Hillary Clinton. They're like going, a lot of people were stunned by that. Well, I wasn't, because I've seen right through the Kochs. I mean, you know, they're, they're like the anti-Soroses in many ways. I, they're, they're all globalists. That's the thing. And that's the, you know, that's the defining characteristic that they cannot gainsay. They cannot oppose once you label when when you when you put that globalist tag on somebody where you can't really identify them, you can't label them. You know, you have to be able to identify the enemy. You have to be able to name what the enemy is, who they are. Oh, uh, what are those people in the black uniforms? We don't know. They just show up everywhere. We don't know who they are. We don't know. What, oh no, they're Nazis. They're German Nazis. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're part of the Gestapo. Once you identify them, then you know what they're up to. Then you know what their plans are, at least in part. You know what their goal is, and you know they're they're going to try to kill you. Now you have an identification. Now you have a label, and now you can combat them. But if you don't know who they are, what they're about, what their game plan is, you can't battle them. Well, see, that's the thing that's happening right this very moment. People are understanding that these are globalists. They are neither Democrat nor Republican in full sway, but they are globalists in full sway. They can belong to either party, okay? And and you can you can identify it for the most part when you look at how the establishment Republicans act, when you look at how many within the progressive Democrat movements notice how they act, and notice how they often all fall into lockstep when certain things happen. Um, to pass, like budgets and that sort of thing. I mean, it's cra- all sorts of things. None of them hopped on Obamacare because there was just no politically feasible way for a Republican to do that, okay? But on, on a host of other things, they can rationalize it out. That's the thing. They can rationalize why, and, and remember, the, the money's being pumped into them like blood from the lobbyists, okay? And these lobbyists are mostly globalists. All of these Big banks are mostly global organizations. You saw so many of these companies, these big corporations, uh, during the times where we, we were just wanting normal bathrooms, and they were like Charlotte. The city of Charlotte was insisting on multi, you know, cultural uh, transgender bathrooms. I think there are 72 total genders. Still haven't figured that one out, but that's what they say. Uh, so they were wanting like. I'm stretching, but there won't be 72 bathrooms. I'm not. I mean, that's kind of the the way that they were looking at this. Okay, they were they were wanting to add transgender and, and some of these big companies, Target for one. There were so many others. were right there with them. And you're going well. Why? And, and they're getting away with it. They're not. Uh, in many cases, they're not being boycotted by consumers and that sort. So you're. So you see, that's a globalist organization. Um, and the, if, if you once again now take it all the way back and go look at the precepts of communism, and go look at the precepts uh, going all the way back to 1776 on May the 1st, when uh, the New World Order organization, the Illuminati, came into being by uh, what was his name, Weishaupt, Adam Weishaupt, and look at the the look at the edicts laid down. You got to get rid of borders. Who's George Soros all about? Getting rid of borders. You got to get rid of religion. Right or the you got to get religion all of the, the other religions and have one religion in essence that was one of their precepts personal property that's got to go and, and all of these things match up with the communist rules introduced into the halls of Congress in 1963 by H A Herlong uh, look it up in Google 
and it, it's the communist rules, and, and they match almost perfectly, almost to a T, almost to a T, uh, the same precepts of globalism. And there is a, a pagan, a cult connection between the two. Make no mistake. Go look at all of the leaders during World War II, right? The military leaders or presidents at the time. Each one of them, like, like that famous photograph with Winston Churchill, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and Stalin. Guess what each one of them had in common? They were all members of the Freemason organization. I just think that's hilarious. And, uh, you know, this is an organization that's been around for latest and good uh, you, you know, you, you don't even have, you, you have no inkling of what's going on until you get introduced into the 33rd degree or 32nd. Most people don't even get there, right? Most people just hang out, they have their fraternity, and they get certain benefits, uh, including jobs and, you know, uh, things like that uh, from their fraternal brothers or and sisters. There's also, you know, a female organization of the Freemasons, the daughters of something, I forget, the star of something. Anyway. So Daniel's theory uh, would, by default, mean that the first and second horsemen of the, the apocalypse have already been released. And, you know, so I guess the question next is, okay, if the third horseman is rising, the one with the scales, the one that locks you into the position, what is the fourth horseman? And uh, that is where it can get really interesting um, because, um, let's see. Yeah, the fourth horseman, uh, <clears throat> wait a minute, let me see here, I'm going to give you a, a, a biblical, let's go biblical here, that's, uh, there, there's so many things, yeah, I don't want to just read this off, uh, or I don't want to just tell it to you by by heart, uh, so, um, <clears throat> the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, okay, Described in the book of New Testament, and this is what this is the next one. The question is, has he, has he, you know, has he come out or not? So uh, the Lamb of God up as a force, the first four of the seven seals, which summons forth beings that ride out on white, red, black, and pale horse. Now this is the pale horse; it's a fourth horse. So and and everybody, uh, you know, none of the experts can fully agree on on what these horsemen mean precisely. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been over this a number of times, but they do say that the first horseman is called pestilence. Okay, um, and let's see. Um, wait a minute. Hang with me for a second. Yeah, the second seal is the red horse, and um, granted to take peace from the earth. Now, what if? <clears throat> think about it for a moment, because everything I see seems to speak this. What if those the, the the three horses? What if they were, you know, released going all the way back to the turn of the millennia? I'm talking about the first millennia, like going all the way back to the year one, let's say, in that particular vein. Isn't it cool how they uh, base the uh, the the new millennium, the the uh, the dating, the actual dating process of uh, A.D. and B.C. or after the Common Era, A.C.E as uh, when Christ, you know, was born and died. I think that's fascinating. But anyway, the rider of the second horse represents war. Now, what have we had all throughout this particular world wars, you know, beginning in uh, <clears throat> 1919? I mean, and and on through. I mean, there were always con almost constant wars, major wars in many cases. Okay? 
So that that was the second horseman, uh, and the black horse. Okay, that's the the uh, the third horseman rides the black horse is what I was talking about. Understood to be famine. Some people say, but also weighing the scales. Okay, so indicate and look at what's happening in so many nations, especially specifically Venezuela, but there are others. Uh, indicating famine and, and yeah, it's all over Africa. Pretty much always has been, it seems. But uh, and there's stuff going on in Africa too, by the way. But um, so it's the Lord as a lawgiver, holding scales of justice. Okay, that's the other iteration. And um, the fourth horse and the black horse and its rider are the only ones whose appearance is accompanied by a vocal pronunciation. John hears a voice unidentified but coming from among the four living creatures that speaks of the price of wheat and barley, also saying, See thou hurt not the oil and the wine. This suggests that the black horse's famine is to drive up the price of grain but leave oil and wine supplies unaffected. Well, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So, and then you have uh, the pale horse. And when the lamb broke the fourth seal, he heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and this is what William Cooper wrote about, the last and final rider. And he said, he who sat on that was death, and Hades was falling with him. And that sort of speaks to, you know, what they're talking about in several different articles. I keep surfacing more and more about, uh, you were talking about massive uh, demonic uh, activity, possessions, and people increasingly following the cult, and that's where the uh, what they call the apocalypse, the great falling away, and the unveiling take place. And maybe we're seeing a little bit of the unveiling right now. So this is what I'm looking at and saying, wow, okay, the, all of these things that are happening, folks, are connected. That's the thing. So this fourth and final horseman is named Death. Of all the writers, he's the only one to whom the text itself explicitly gives a name, unlike the other three. He is not described carrying a weapon or other object. Instead, he is followed by Hades, the resting place of the dead. However, uh, illustrations commonly depict him carrying a scythe. One of my favorite photos that I've used a number of times uh, is a, 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 is a, a sort of a, 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 what do you call those, a lithograph of made by Gustave Dorr called The Fourth Horseman, Death on the Pale Horse. It was done in 1865, and it is chilling when you look at it. So I might try to put that in the show. But uh, the the color of Death's horse is written as chloros in the original Coin Greek, which can mean either green, greenish yellow, or pale pallid. The color is often translated as pale through ashen, pale green, and yellowish green. Yeah, kind of sickly looking. And that's what we're looking at. Based on uses of the word in ancient Greek medical literature, several scholars suggest that the color reflects the sickly pallor of a corpse. So uh, that gives you an idea. The fourth pale horse will be the personification of death. Maybe that's the final rider. Maybe he has not yet ridden this thing. Uh, but what if, the, what if the others have? Isn't that an interesting question? And have you ever thought of it as maybe since uh, the turn of the millennia, these horses have been riding and we are seeing what happens when they do. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, there have been good things, and doesn't say doesn't say that there won't be, but we've seen all sorts of things happen. We've seen pestilence. Black Death has returned, by the way. It's back in Africa, and this is a pneumonic plague, not a bubonic. That's worse. Uh, people are dying. Uh, and Ebola, I mean, we've seen so much. I heard somebody talking about the Marburg virus, which is similar to Ebola, also having emerged. 
And uh, remember, the presiding principality, uh, supposedly over Africa, is Beelzebub, and he is like the king of the pestilences. Okay, it's fascinating stuff, truly. So anyway, uh, that's that's I guess what I wanted to uh, let you sort of see as I start moving through the show. Now, I'm going to have Lee uh, a little bit earlier. I didn't mean to do the the, the prologue for that long, but uh, there were just several things that I wanted to get. Uh, into what I see is happening right now. Lee Daniel, how you doing, man? we got a lot of show to go through, but I wanted to get you in on the first of this because I wanted to talk about this, uh, not only the, your, I've been talking about your treaties, your, you know, the, that perhaps the writers have already ridden, and we're seeing the third horseman having ridden out, and this is why we're seeing this purging taking place. These people are being exposed uh, all over the place, and, 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 you know, the question is, well, who gets exposed next? I mean, what? And it seems to be a, uh, an, an exposition of people in powerful positions who are being exposed. All of these politicians, and there's more to come, entertainers, Hollywood. Uh, you got these pedophiles. By the way, there was a lot of arrests when Trump came into office. He started cleaning them up. There's another story. <clears throat> They're talking about stripping uh, aliens, immigrants who came into this country and, and – uh, became citizens on a false pretense uh, that they had actually committed crimes against, pedophilia crimes against children, they're stripping them of their citizenship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and people are flipping out. I ran that story last night, Lee, and people were flipping out going, yeah, well, it's true. I mean, this is one of the most horrible things you can imagine, isn't it? So uh, I want to move into this uh, several different things, but this this God robot that what we're talking about what they are talking about is the AI as God, folks. And this is where the, perhaps we get the uh, what you read in the Bible as the image of the beast. It, it, it gets truly fascinating when we start stripping this stuff down and looking at what it may mean with a biblical template. And, you know, in, in the time of Thanksgiving where we are giving thanks to God, I think it's time to look at this stuff, not necessarily in a negative light, but to understand what's coming. So what say you on this? Well, yeah, it's going into the perfect season for it when you should be thinking about it. I mean, that's the whole intent of the season, really, in any way you want to put it. Every every pagan, every Satanist, every Christian, every Jew, and everything looks to the fall of the year as bringing thanks to God for what they were able to do that year and having a, almost a continuous celebration to the day after New Year's. Then we get started all over again. And that's the way it really should be. And yet most of the people, unfortunately, like even what I'm working with now with uh, some of the retail industry, is their biggest thing is how much can I cash in, you know? Exactly. How, how, how much can I, can I make my year during this month and a half or well, not? They always you know? twist. You know, yeah, they always twist what the wonderful and positive things. Have you ever noticed they always twist it into something that's, you know, just twisted and negative and 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 uh, convoluted that, is a real good yeah, word. Yeah, it just not in its original essence, not in its original form as it was originally intended. 
Thanksgiving was not intended as a massive, huge uh, celebration of greed and wealth and all of whatever. I don't have anything against wealth, and greed has its place among all the other human attributes. But, you know, it, it, Thanksgiving was not about freaking shopping, man. It was about being thankful for what you have, you know. So, um, and, you know, but that's just one facet of this because I wanted you to speak to this. I mean, have you, and, and I know you have, because you're constantly viewing and seeing what's happening and building your um, viewpoint on this stuff. But I was just going back through that article that I wrote called Killing America, particularly the last part where you believe that the that the third horseman has ridden. And, and I believe, and I think you do too, that that may be the case and that may be why we're seeing all of these people exposed, they can't get out of their locked-in positions. They can't wiggle out, right. okay, like they have been able to do so many times. They're, they're being exposed right and left. So what do you think? Have they all ridden? They've been riding for all of these years, and maybe now, nobody there's, knew, I mean, there There's an overlapping of them, too. It isn't like one has to do everything and get everything done before the next one is released. To my understanding, there's a little bit of overlapping, too, because let's say that the third horse rode through uh, Europe already or the Middle East already. What the intent of that is is to weigh everybody in the balances and see what their character is. God has that angel go through and give the people one final choice of which way they want to go. And it isn't Islam or Christian, Jewish or uh, pagan. It's the fact that God knows the people inside themselves he knows what they know, and he knows what their life is, and he knows whether that they prefer to do good or prefer to do evil. And the ones that prefer to do evil, he's locking them into judgment, whatever the judgment that they've gotten themselves into. One might be homosexual, one might be a murderer, one might be a rapist, one might be a thief. But whatever judgment they've gotten themselves locked into, he's saying, fine, you made your mind up, go your way. Well, the next thing coming along is death. And hell follows it. After death kills the ones that have been judged, (laughs) hell comes along with his street broom and sweeps them up, right? He comes along with the the big street sweeper and just picks them up. The only thing, it's not necessarily... Yeah, it, it, it's not just one fell swoop, though, is it? It could be, it could take a no. hundred years, couldn't it? I mean, you just don't know how the. But it seems to me that maybe these horses have been riding for a very, very long time, and only the benefit of hindsight allows you to see, you know, all these wars that have been taking place all over the world all of this time. You know, maybe that horse rode well, a long time ago. You know, so but, but there's a lot of research. Does, there's a lot of research on it, and it seems to be that, like Christ was talking about in in Matthew 22 through 24 and some other prophets, 
that when you see Israel become a nation, all these things will come to pass. Yeah, so in 1947-48, Israel became a nation. And thereby you see the beginnings of judgments because people were getting locked into their positions a little bit even back then. But the closer it comes to the final fruition of that, now, it's always the case that the Jews are judged first. First the Jews, then the Gentiles. So the judgments of the Jews had to be, so to speak, locked in, and that's pretty much done. They pretty much made their choices. So judgment, you know, isn't done there, but it's now coming over into the Gentile world. And you can see it, just like you just oh, said. Absolutely. More and more people are, are, are being asked, so to speak, by God, all right, do you want to repent of this and get some help? Do you want to stay where you are and suffer the consequences? And if they've gone too far, they're saying like uh, like the actor um, that was just interviewed, he's saying, I'm sorry, I did it, and <laughs> I can't undo it, and I'm going to have to suffer whatever consequences there are. I'm, I'm It's too late to say I'm sorry. Yeah, I just saw one on television today that said that. I, it's too late to say I'm sorry now. I did it and, one and too many know, times. And Kevin and Spacey, I mean, coach. Yeah, uh, Kevin Spacey, one of the hottest actors. All of a sudden, he's a, he's at the pinnacle. Now he can't probably get a job. Nobody wants to work with him. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, I mean, he's just been taking advantage of these, whoever, grabbing people in the crotch. I mean, just constantly, just this, whatever it is within him, this, you know, just, I don't know. But I hated to see it happen, but, you know, because he's such a, he's a really good actor. But, um, I mean, one of his, uh, one of his movies, one of my favorite of all time, holiday movies, is called The Ref. And uh, it's a hilarious movie, and it's, it's a really good holiday movie, and I always watch it, but I don't know if I will this year, uh, because, uh, and it, it is, it's hilarious. If you haven't seen The Ref, R-E-F, The Ref, I think they got it on mm-hmm. Netflix and or, uh, and or uh, uh, Amazon Prime, if you watch that. But, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, seeing, and then, you know, one of my favorite shows was House of Cards, because it was so accurate, and it got a little, you know, weird and, and kind of unrealistic probably in the fifth season. And now they just called it off. Uh, supposedly, they're they're not even going to film it uh, for the sixth and final season. So I don't know about that. That's the last thing I heard. But anyway, I mean, you, you're watching these things happening, and it's making me wonder. And then, then on the political the, side, there are other. Go ahead. Yeah, one of the one of the indoctrinations and one of the warnings to pages at Congress. When they were they were being uh, invited to be paged to so and so congressman, there was a there was always a woman, you know, like a um, matriarchal situation, so supposed to be taking care of them. But the whole situation was, she'd tell them right up, right up front, look, he's going to come on to you. So if you're one of these prudes that doesn't want to play ball with him, 
you don't want nothing to do with him, and I'll tell him you're going on to somebody else. We'll put you with a junior senator or something like that, that that's not yeah, one of the old gosh. boys. Yeah. And, they, and that I was it. They, uh, they get, they'd be taking a break from their work and just, you know, call their page in and tell her to take her clothes off. And that's not just once or one person. That's hundreds and hundreds of times. Oh, yeah, a $17 million slush fund to, to pay these exactly. people off when they get caught. I mean, it's just incredible. Exactly. Uh, it is incredible. Wall Street, so, same way. Yeah. Wall yeah, Street uh, people absolutely. would take take two, three, five million dollars if they got caught, you know, or something happened, or somebody went to the police. Okay, okay. How much? That's all they ever said. How much? How much this yeah, then, time? Then look at the number of settlements. I mean, there were, my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look, uh, there were there were six in nineteen. This going just back to nineteen ninety seven. Six settlements, only thirty nine thousand dollars. And then in ninety eight, sixteen settlements, one hundred three thousand. I could go down the list, but in one year in particular, in o two, which was that was the first year of Bush, ten settlements, three million nine hundred seventy four thousand. Okay, o three, mm-hmm. eleven settlements. Almost three quarters of a million, and folks, you're paying for this. That's the thing. They had I mean, a hell of a hard time <laughs> learning their lesson, didn't they? That these guys, well, there there was no lesson to learn. If we're paying for their screw ups, well, they're they don't, you know, they don't learn too quick, do they? Nobody they're lost does. Do they? I guess not. But supposedly there are at least two active members who have had settlements. But in '03 there were eleven. Uh, there were '04 was fifteen. Uh, about uh, what? About a, uh, almost a half a million, and over in oh five, uh, fourteen. Now follow me. When you get in oh six, oh seven, oh eight, right? Now you got a bunch of dim, Dems coming in there, a bunch of liberals, a bunch of leftists, and so oh five, you had fourteen, and that was like nine hundred, almost a million dollars paid out. Oh six, uh, uh, almost nine hundred thousand paid out. There was eighteen cases in oh six, and oh seven. That was that was a really high uh, big time year for the Democrats. Twenty five settlements totaling four million dollars. Uh, 08, that was uh, the year of Obama. That was ten at eight hundred seventy five thousand. Oh nine thirteen, eight hundred thirty one thousand. And uh, so you know it, it seems as if it dropped a little or a good deal when the Republicans sort of got back into control. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, except in 2014, I mean they had 11 cases, 800,000 paid out, and then of course uh, in 2017, eight settlements, 934 million. But all totally, folks, 17 million. After the, the initial number was 15, that's turned into 17, and it'll probably go higher. Okay, so yeah. I mean this is just, in, and we're paying for that. They're not paying for it. They, we are. No. They're using. Taxpayer funds to pay these settlements. I mean, and just John Conyers uh, got caught. I mean, there and, and more of them will be coming out, folks. But I just thought that was incredible, just incredible. And, and just, when when I was growing up, the standard for and I'm going to use this as an example only, okay? Because it's the only one I have intimate knowledge of, not by me, but by a person I knew. Right. If the Catholic Church got caught 
with a priest raping a little boy. Uh-huh. The standard was give him five thousand dollars and we'll transfer the priest into uh, some place that he has that to be a exactly monk right. for ten years. That is exactly right. That is exactly and right. And if the family wouldn't settle for it, the church would put the word out on the family, and first nobody would talk to the family anymore. Then second, yeah. if that didn't work. If the, guy, if the head of the household was employed by the union, they'd go to the union and say, look, uh, you need to help us make this guy see the error of his ways. So the union would lay him off. And they'd say, right, well, the when boss, you can make it right. right. Yeah, they'd just lay him off. He'd have no job. The he boss, was not hireable. Right. I don't want to get it's too the, deep into this because we got a lot of but, news to go through, okay? Well, it's, but, the, it's uh, a further example of the of the growing depravity because they were allowed to do it. Well, the only thing is, I will say this, and then we need to move on, but if you go back and you look at the movie Spotlight, and that was when the Boston Herald exposed exactly mm-hmm. what you described, but the, the Catholic Church was doing this wholesale. They were doing it everywhere. And the Boston Herald got wind of it, and you can you can watch what happened in the movie Spotlight. It's an excellent movie, and it and it tells the story very, and, it, and it, you know it, it tells the story exactly. But my point here is this: the only thing that saved the Catholic Church, and I find I wonder if there's some sort of connection even here. I really do. But the only thing that saved them was 9/11 of 01, because all of that news and all the activities going on with that, with the uh, with the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, all yep. of that. Uh, that sort of overshadowed everything that was happening with the Catholic Church, and may have saved the church and okay. others. What but, a Hegelian yeah, dialectic! Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. So we don't know, but you know, I just think it's rather uh, uh, ironic that this these two uh, events took place at almost the exact same time frame. Okay, I just think that's incredible. So, chew on that one. But there was a lot still movie. going on. It, there was a lot being exposed in Washington or or threatening to be exposed yeah. too. Yeah, I bet so. I bet so. So anyway, I want to uh, move back over to Thanksgiving in the truer sense, and that is the Trump effect. Now, you've got it's funny because you've got these global financial experts, and they folks are swooning over the roaring economic conditions that they see for 2017 and 2018. This has been a year unlike anything we've seen, right? And it was funny because as I was putting this story up and reading it and adding my two cents, I mean, I went back and looked at what Goldman Sachs said during the campaign. Uh, and, you know, this is the vampire squid bank. They got their tentacles into everything. And he says, I support Hillary Clinton. All right. And you're like, well, you're a capitalist, aren't you? Not necessarily. He's a globalist. That's the thing. And that's where all the money goes, folks. Uh, when, you, when, you, when we talk about the, the gap between the super wealthy and the poorest of the poor and how wide and, and wider it has gotten under Obama, well, that perfectly explains this crony capitalism aspect. These, these people at the top, the ones, these, these super corporations, folks, are the ones that create the regulations to get rid of their competition. We've gone over this so many times, but I'll say it again. You know, uh, most of these regulations don't come from the governments. They come from the companies at the very top who get their lobbyists to lobby Capitol Hill and come up with legislation in order to over-regulate their competition, their smaller competition, and keep them out of the game. That's the whole point of it. 
Oh yeah, you, and that's the dirty little secret. I think not always, but in so many cases, it's pathetic. That's what happens. So uh, now, in this particular case, you, you know what they were doing is in this particular article is they were swooning over what they the just the the prosperity busting at the seams right now. Okay. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that I've been hearing about was Hillary Clinton, the fact that she really, oh, she's just a capitalist. That's why we didn't want to vote for her. That is such bullshit. Folks, uh, Hillary Clinton was a crony capitalist progressive in the Saul Alinsky mode uh, in the First Order. And, you know, Alinsky did dedicate his famous book to Satan. Oh, yeah. One of Hillary's uh, biggest fans, uh, Saul Alinsky, was one, I mean, he was huge to her. And she even wrote, I think, her her, uh, her thesis on that when she graduated. But anyway, uh, she wrote it on Solinsky. But if he dedicated his book to Satan, what do you think she would have dedicated her entire administration to, right? Uh-huh. I guarantee you. So, uh, and, and there is so much about Hillary that I can't even begin to go into. But uh, she was, uh, she is a, oh, boy, she's a pagan if ever there were one. Now, Hillary would have been nothing less then an acceleration of the Obama agenda. And we all know what that means. It would have meant big money for Hillary and her political donors, which include Big Corp, and nothing more than table scraps for everybody else, just like under Obama. So this is why I was reading, you know, I read this story with amusement, okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it just very briefly. Um, but what they are seeing, they're, they're not talking about Trump as being the guy that made it all happen, the guy that is firing up you know, prosperity, not just here, but all over the world, because he is the leader of the free world now. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's actually filling a position uh, as leader of the free world that has been vacant for over 20 years, folks. Bush was not a leader of the free world. I don't know what you want to call him, but he wasn't that. So it's not surprising to a lot of us. I have some this names. is what we. Huh? Do what? I have some names. For what? For Bush. Oh, I bet you do. I know. Um, but it's not surprising that we're seeing this world economy burst into prosperity because that's why one of the reasons why of many that we decided to back Trump rather than some of these other globalist Republicans that were running. So while Goldman, folks, remember that story where Goldman Sachs fired an, any employee who publicly backed Trump? The guy came to work with a bunch of Make America Great Again hats. He was a uh, banker for Goldman Sachs. They fired him. <laughs> yeah. And I think he I think he sued him, and I'm sure he probably won. But this is, you know, all their vampire squid inklings right now, even though they were all for Hillary Clinton and were throwing money at her and Obama, I mean, they couldn't be happier than pigs in shit uh, as they are right now. Because even though they didn't, you know, vote for Trump, He's that, that tide that he is producing is raising all boats, and that's what we have to be thankful for. I mean, I, so many ways, and I get so disgusted with all that we all see. But you know that that's the one th- the one really truly positive thing. He is always talking about the evangelicals. He he has mentioned God so much. It's just like as I opened the show up with uh, with uh, Kim and Clemente and what he was saying. He said, you know, a praying, he won't be a praying man when he enters a White House, but he will be one when he's in there. And that is so true. You're starting to see it right now. Remember, he was back behind the evangelical vote. A lot of people refer to him as Cyrus. Uh, 
Uh, we've been over that in many shows. So anyway, um, the point is, I suppose, that for all these smarter than anyone else in the room Goldman Sachs types, you can thank us deplorables for where we are right now because you sure as hell didn't do it. And what they're saying is that uh, it's been a great year for the global economy. 2018 will follow that trend. And that's a good, I just think it's funny. So, uh, you know, economic growth around the world. We're looking at a 4% quarter, folks. 4% growth. That's something that you hardly ever saw under Obama. I don't know that we ever really did see it. And even if we did, you got to remember he was doing the 65 to $85 billion uh, a month quantitative easing to keep his, you know, whatever he had going on going. And now we've got a debt hole that we have to fill there. We've got an imbalance in our balance sheet because it was printed out of air. That money was printed, okay? And they're trying to – that's where all these bonds and crap are coming from that they're going to try to pay down, <clears throat> which is may not have a positive effect for us, but they got to do it at some point. So uh, I think they should wait maybe until we get some good solid growth uh, consistently. But, folks, we've been growing about 3% almost in each and every quarter. So, I mean – Already Trump is – but the jobs, the jobless has dropped to 4.1%. There's nothing but positivity out there from everything that we can see. And, you know, this goes to uh, something that Trey Smith said, Lee. He, he was talking <coughs> about, uh, you know, the, the date of September the 23rd where the birthing was taking place, supposedly the beginning of the tribulation, the very beginning. Uh, or where it all begins, I should say. Not necessarily the beginning. And everybody debates about what it all means. But he was saying that uh, according to everything that he had been able to tell and looking at some of Kim Clement's other prophecies, he says it's going to be as it was in, in like, uh, Joseph's day. He said he believed that we were going to have seven years of prosperity, which perfectly coincides with Trump's two terms. Okay, And then he said, during those seven years, if I were you... I would be storing up that wealth. I'd be putting a lot of that in your storehouses because when that eighth year comes around and when Trump leaves office, there's going to be a big change. And, you know, it speaks to the period that we're in, doesn't it, Lee? I mean, we're, we've got two years looking great yeah. so far. And uh, yeah. I, I, maybe, maybe it is. Everything repeats. We've seen that from Paradigm, Jonathan Kahn. Uh, these things, can, if, you, if you go look at Paradigm, just look it up on YouTube. And he does it with Jim Baker, and it's, it's fascinating. But he was detailing uh, how certain e- events in biblical history were repeated in the 2017-2018, I mean, or 2016 election. Almost to a T, okay? Almost well, to a T. Go ahead, Lee. You have, you have to take into consideration what I, I was just saying about Matthew 22 through 24 and some other scriptures like Joel and uh, Daniel and things that when the country of Israel becomes a nation again or, you know, 1947-48, during that generation, all things will be finished. All things will come to pass. That that says there's not going to be any more cycles that at that point, things are going to go forward. And the chapter that you just were reading from about the four horsemen, then later in that passage talks about Jesus coming to the earth to bring war 
on the devil and his and the fact that he brings the earth into judgment, you know, one-on-one. And the fact that there aren't any more cycles. And, you know, I don't mean to throw, I mean, I don't mean to be a buzzkill, but the, you know, one of the things, the sign of the son of perdition coming to power and causing this is the fact that everybody thinks everything is great again. Everything is going wonderful. Everything is going great. And then, wham, sudden destruction. Because well, that somebody gets thing, mad. I mean, but the, the problem is you don't know what the timeline looks like, and that could dovetail perfectly into this timeline. Exactly. You don't know it's for a, sure. So. Yeah, you don't. And you don't know how they how the tribulation can be attributed, uh, you know, in in our particular time. You just don't know. But what we do know is some of these financial gurus are saying we're we're going to be. Remember, one percent of growth is equal to a trillion dollar increase in the economy, folks. So when you get three percent in the third quarter, you got three trillion in growth. And uh, I'm telling you, man, that's going to be something. So, uh, and all of these, you know, they're, they're looking at India. They're looking at all over the place. Europe's economy all of a sudden is seeing a surge. So while they couldn't figure out what was going on before, right, they couldn't figure out why nothing was happening all the way through the Obama years. kept getting worse and worse because he was managing the decline, basically. That was his whole – he even said that's what he was doing. All of a sudden, Trump comes in. He says, "I can create these jobs. I'm going to, I'm going to catch this economy on fire. America's going to be winning again." And look at what has happened in this last year. You talk about a Thanksgiving to remember, folks. We are seeing exactly what Trump promised, and it's not like he thought he could do it. He knew he could do it. Go listen to him. Go listen to some of his campaign speeches. He knew. He knew that he could do this, and here he is doing it. And it's, it's, to me, it's just fascinating. And he's got everybody, it seems like at many points, working against him, Lee. It's almost as if they don't want to see it. It's almost as if they, they, they want us not to grow. They want things to be difficult for us. And it, it may be there, it maybe it's because it, we're getting further and further away from that globalist world order that they so dearly want. And, you know, all of their lobbyists and everything – are not the ones who are, uh, you know, <clears throat> more inclined towards the agenda than the than than actually than greed, I suppose. Uh, they're not liking this at all, and you can see the ones are, the Democrats are fighting us uh, tooth and nail, every bit of it, and they're trying to. Oh no, we're not. Even though the the, the unemployment rate uh, that's the fake one, four point one percent, it's probably more like you know seven percent, but still. It's so much lower, and people are returning to work, and people are starting to make what they're supposed to make, and they're just seeing this happen, and they're saying that um, that this is going to be taking place for the next year. Now, let me tell you this before I move out of this story, because we've seen a lot of uh, spiel about how uh, the Democrats, well, they're going to take over the House again in 2018. Now, now, the thing I wanted to remind you of in that particular vein is the fact that uh, these political types, all these uh, talking heads, these bobbleheads on your TV, okay, they, they are static thinkers. They could, it's almost as if they could only view one sector and say, because of this, yeah, you, the, you know, the conservatives are going to be thrust out of government. That's going to be it for Trump. But even though at the same time, they're figuring on, on basically raging economic conditions. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. 
as these economic conditions get better and better, if they do, and I believe that they will, then Trump is going to become more and more popular because people are going to connect him to this. I don't give a damn what the media says. They're going to be connecting this to Trump because all presidents own their own economy, okay? And Trump's going to own 2017, and he's going to own 2018, okay? So what does that tell you about the political conditions when Trump he, he you know he 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 blew me away the other day when he stated that well you know uh, I'd much rather more get in no matter what has happened than see another leftist liberal get in there that's exactly what he said and I'm like going yeah you know because you never quite heard him you know talk about liberals before like that but all of a sudden he's talking he's like you don't want a liberal in there because they're going to screw all this up. He gets it. He's he's got it, and uh, just fascinating to me. So, the next story, great again. Jobless claims are falling as this record-breaking run is persisting. Okay, so you want something to be thankful for? There you go. This is out of the, the AFP. Uh, job benefits uh, fell in mid-November. That confirms the strength of the labor market in America, continuing a record streak of low levels. Okay. This suggests that November could see continued strong job creation uh, as we recover. And this is with all these hurricanes and all these other disruptions that we've had. Uh, so this record run of low levels uh, could also be one more factor nudging the central bank towards adopting a third interest rate increase. And, and yeah, maybe they, I don't know what, you know, I don't really, uh, we don't know how they're going to try to play this. We'll see. But remember, Yellen is stepping down. We got the new Trump's guys going in there, and uh, so he's going to be—he's going to be one of our guys instead of one of the uh, the guys on the other team who wanted to see America fail. All right, so it's—it's um, it's working. It's working like crazy. Then you, the next story is Christmas bonuses have jumped 66 percent, and this is from the uh, Paul Bedard, one of my fa- more favorite writers, and the latest signing of a booming economy. Human resources officers from 500 corporations anticipate a 66% increase in Christmas bonuses, adding a big surge in gifts and parties uh, for American workers. Uh, the average bonus will jump from 1,081 last year to 1,797, and uh, you know more and more employers are planning on giving these bonuses to their workers. For those of you who get bonuses, this is going to be very good news for you. So that's another sign, as we like to say, signs, right? That's another sign. Uh, great again. Uh, U.S. growth forecasts are still on the rise. That's from the Wall Street Journal. The other story was from Reuters. But U.S. growth forecasts are moving higher, supporting U.S. stocks, Federal Reserve Bank of New York. On Friday, forecast gross domestic product almost 4%, 3.8, in the fourth quarter, up from a forecast of 3.2 a week earlier. That's a lot of growth in just one week, folks. Uh, so uh, it, 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 this keeps moving forward. So we're going to see how this all works out. But it, there's even more. Strong economy is boosting Trump among otherwise skeptical voters. They see what he's doing, and now he's reached like 46%. Um, I believe that was a Rasmussen poll. Uh, but there are other polls out there that are also showing increases. Uh, so, folks, the, the the more that economy, the more popular he gets, the better our case is. And then on top of that, uh, approval, uh, his approval, uh, yeah, it was May was the other one, but Trump's approval rating is beating Merkel of Germany, 
she can't even get her government together, folks. They're going to have to re. They're going to have to do an entirely new government. Their government has failed over there, and they can't reach any sort of resolution. Lee, I find that fascinating. In Germany, that may be bad or good. I don't know. Is it bad for us or is it good for us? <laughs> well, you know, Germany. Germany started two world wars, and who's to say they want to start a third one? Lee, you know, that's what I always think about. Uh, but in addition to that, Theresa May. Trump is more approval than Merkel, May, and Francis Macron all across the board. They aren't reporting that, are they? But it's true. Now, that's from the Washington Examiner. And, uh, you know, the problem with those other leaders is uh, they're globalists. So, as I told you much, much earlier, they're going, oh, no, we're not important. You people in my country are not the most important. Those people over there that we don't see, that we cannot describe, that I can't tell you who they are. Those are the people we need to make, you know, we need to make great. We They need to be far greater than we are. That's the globalist aspect of it, okay? And that's why these people, I mean, people are starting to see it. They're starting to see it. So I tell you what, <clears throat> let's uh, let's give our voices a rest. We've got a lot of show to go through and a lot more fascinating stuff to go through. We're going to hit this thing about AI as God. I believe that's where all this is going, I believe. Lee Daniel thinks so as well, and uh, and then uh, we're going to move into some of these other, uh, some of the things that are happening that are really strange and really weird, uh, but we we do have about probably at least another, uh, we've got some clips, we've got a, probably another 45 minutes of politics to get through, uh, if that, maybe 30, and then we're going to move into the last facet of the show, we're going to move into the, the uh, you know, the X-Files portion of the show, I suppose you could call it, so uh, hang in there with us. Take a bathroom break or whatever, and uh, we're going to be right back. Hello. Welcome to Obama Golf. My name is Trina. How can I help you? Yes, hi. I received an email from GolfSmith stating that my Pro V1 golf ball order had been canceled, and I should go to your exchange to reorder it. So I tried the website, but it doesn't seem to be working, so I'm calling the 800 number. Yes, I'm sorry about the website. It should be fixed by the end of 2014, but I can help you. Thanks. I ordered some Pro V1 golf balls. Sir, Pro V1s do not meet our minimum standards. I will be happy to provide you with a choice of Pinnacle, Top Flight, or Callaway Blue. But I've played Pro V1 for years. The government has determined that Pro V1s are no longer acceptable, so we have instructed Titleist to stop making them. Top Flights are better, sir. I am sure you will love them. But I like the Pro V1. Wait, why are Top Flights better? That is all spelled out in the 2700-page Affordable Golf Ball Act passed by Congress. Well, how much are these Top Flights? It depends, sir. Do you want our bronze, silver, gold, or platinum package? Uh, what's the difference? 12, 24, 36, or 48 balls. Well, the silver package may be okay. How much is it? It depends, sir. What is your monthly income? What does that have to do with anything? I need that to determine your government golf ball subsidy. Then I can determine how much your out-of-pocket cost will be. But if your income is below the poverty level, you might qualify for a subsidy. In that case, I can refer you to our ball aid department. Ball aid? Yes. Golf balls are a right. Everyone has a right to golf balls. So if you can't afford them, then the government will supply them free of charge. Who said they were a right? Congress passed it. 
the president signed it, and the Supreme Court found it constitutional. Whoa, whoa, wait. I don't remember seeing anything in the Constitution regarding golf balls as a right. There's no explicit mention of golf balls in the Constitution, but President Obama is a former constitutional scholar, and he believes it would have been included if the Constitution had not been drafted by a bunch of slave-owning white men. The Democrats in the Congress and the Supreme Court agree with the president that golf balls are now a right guaranteed by the Constitution. I don't believe this. It's the law of the land, sir. Now we anticipated most people would go for the silver package. So what is your monthly income, sir? Forget it. I'll just forego the balls this year. In that case, sir, I will still need your monthly income. Why? To determine what your non-participation cost would be. What? Wait, you can't charge me for not buying golf balls. It's the law of the land, sir. <laughs> Approved by the Supreme Court. It's forty nine fifty or one percent of your monthly income. Oh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll pay the forty nine fifty. Sir, it is the forty nine fifty or one percent of your monthly income, whichever is greater. Are you kidding me? What a ripoff. Actually, sir, it's a good deal. Next year it will be two percent. Uh, look, I'm gonna call my congressman to find out what's going on here. This is ridiculous. I'm not gonna pay it. Sorry to hear that, sir. That's why I had the NSA track this call and obtain the make and model of the cell phone you're using. Why does the NSA need to know what kind a cell phone I'm using. So they can get your GPS coordinates, sir. The hell is that? That would be the IRS, sir. Thanks for calling Obama Golf. Have a nice day. And God bless the land of the free and the home of the brave. Have questions about business insurance? Simply log on to www.carolinaindustrial.com. We make it our business to get to know yours. Running a business is a full-time job. So is protecting it. Auto Owners Insurance protects thousands of businesses just like yours. We'll assess your needs and eliminate your insurance problems so you can devote more time to what you do best, managing your business. See us for no-problem business protection through Auto Owners Insurance. Auto Owners, no-problem people. Call Carolina Industrial and Matthews, insuring businesses statewide for over 21 years. 704-845-2456. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Uh, that they were going to take it very easy on Hillary Clinton. So we're starting to see this take shape. 
actual written email that they were able to secure showing that he unlawfully said, we're going to take it easy on Hillary. And remember what Comey did. Okay, he, he Comey came out and stated, well, you know, um, we're, when he, in one of the emails, he, he basically stated, uh, he, he wrote a memo that he didn't release stating that uh, uh, they were going to exonerate Hillary before he'd even done one interview, folks, okay? So uh, that's going to be a, a fascinating thing. Then we got the heretic Pope rebuking climate hoax deniers as being perverse, not talking about the real stuff going on. He thinks you're perverse if you deny the climate hoax. <laughs> uh, Hillary's fantasizing about leaving Earth. Merkel's signaling new elections after coalition. Got to talk to you about a little bit about Facebook and uh, Trump's uh, DOJ revoking U.S. citizenship. And then further down, uh, we've got some wild stuff uh, we got to hit, like, you know, herpes researcher injecting patients with a virus at the Holiday Inn. I mean, that's pretty bad, isn't it, Lee? You can't even get to have sex and you get herpes there. Uh, Greek Island on strike and protest against migrant prisons. I mean, this is Soros is back in the news, several different. Uh, what kind of music does Psychopath like? And then we've got the Mystery Blast, Mega Quake Warnings, Upsurge of Big Quakes. Lee, you're going to love this one. The Earth rotation is slowing right now. Periodically it does this, and we're going, they're, they're saying we always have these big quakes. And it dovetails into what we're talking about. Another swarm of earthquakes in the San Andreas Fault. And then public attempt violently erupts. Authorities warn that's Mexico City, I believe. A bigger eruption could threaten. Then we got some uh, files from uh, Charles Manson. And then when I, I want to take this up about the demonic activity coming. Uh, Lee, that's in your venue in a very big way. And by the way, are there 2,000 serial killers roaming the streets? We don't know, but we're going to hit it and try to figure it out, okay? So uh, anyway, I'll tell you, Lee, uh, some amazing stuff going on, isn't it? Yeah, and it, you know, all, all culminates in that chapter that you were reading in Chapter 6 uh, of Revelation because... Um, it's when God begins to open the spirit realm to the earth and just say, fine, I'm taking my hand off this much and more and more and more, and I'm taking it off these people. I'm taking it off these. I'll take it off those. And the spirit realm does pretty much as it pleases with them. And just like even the Vatican is showing that they're locked in. Uh, yeah, that's church, get different to that church story. groups. They're locked in. Yeah, that you can't yeah. talk to them. You can stand there and read the Bible to them all day and all night, and they'll just say no and walk away. Yeah. Like they've you established never did it. their own ecumenical religion. Okay, ecumenicism. I tell you. So anyway, I do want to, because there's, there's, there's some major developments, folks, in the Uranium One case. And remember now, they've got, uh, I, I told you several weeks ago, I believe, that there, uh, there was an informant who worked for the FBI, and he has come forward, and the DOJ, folks, actually leaked his name, okay? I guess they want him to become part of the uh, Hillary Clinton body count. Uh, bad, bad, but I'm sure, he, uh, hopefully, he'll be fine. 
But the DOJ actually leaked his name, folks. I mean, this is incredible. And I guess it gives them an opportunity to come up with enough, you know, bad stuff on him to convince him not to, you know, go before Congress because that's what he wants to do. It is so bad. Uh, the the way that the Russians arranged uh, suitcases, apparently, or briefcases full of cash uh, to give uh, and and uh, to the Clinton Foundation and the Clintons, and then uh, Rosatom, the trucking company that's supposed to be uh, is Russian. And re- remember, the whole impetus of this was Russia was trying to corner the world's uranium market so that they would be the only ones, in essence, that with access to nuclear. Uh, bombs, weapons of mass destruction in a big way, uh, looking, I guess, way down the road. Uh, and you know, the funny thing is, is Hillary Clinton was on board with that, fully on board. So now I want to first uh, let you hear this particular interview uh, about this FBI informant. It's from Sean Hannity's show. I'm going to play a, a big chunk of it, not all the way through. Uh, but I do want you to hear this because he's got um, Sarah Carter and John Solomon, two of the these these are uh, super journalists, folks. They are super journalists, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna sort of let you hear exactly what's going on. So uh, take a good listen. Tonight on the Russian bribery case, Reuters now has released the name of the FBI informant, the one that had the NDA lifted. John is also reporting that tonight the Democratic senator from the state of California, Diane Feinstein, wants to speak with him. Joining us now, The Hill's John Solomon, along with investigative reporter Sarah Carter. Um, I don't even know where to begin. The fact that this informant's name was released, that's troublesome to me. But more troublesome, I'll let you both address this, John, first. More troublesome is the fact that their Justice Department is leaking, oh, he doesn't have any information, when I know that's a lie. Yeah, no, you're right, John. Uh, We have seen uh, the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, try to say there's no connection between Uranium One and the uh, Meeker and Russian bribery case. We've seen the Deputy Attorney General say that, and now we saw two anonymous officials in a Reuters story saying that. And what we'll say back to that is I think people should tune into The Hill next week. We'll show people the real FBI documents, what the FBI learned in real time about the Russian bribery case and its connection to Uranium One. There will be no doubt about it when we put those documents into the public domain. I've I've said to you, you guys are going to be Woodward and Bernstein by the time this is all over. Um, And, Sarah, let me get your take on this. You know who the FBI informant is. You both know. You have both talked to him. We know who the attorney is. How extensive? They're trying to downplay what he has. Sarah, how extensive is it, and what do you think of the release of his name? Well, I I know he's very concerned about the release of his name. He did not authorize that, although he was contacted by the reporter from Reuters. Um, I spoke to him and asked him, what would you want me to say? Uh, And this was through his attorney when when I speak to Sean tonight. And one of the things that he... He'd like to get out there is, you know, at the time that he the the reporter contacted him, you know, he's been he's been terribly ill. He's been battling cancer. He's been in a battle not only with the U.S. government, but but he is very sick and he's been battling cancer and going through chemo. And you know, all of these now are coming out. So he is in a battle for not only his life, but in a battle against what he perceives as people within the U.S. government that don't want the story to come out. But there is so much information, Sean that he is willing to share with the public to set the record straight. And believe me, we're going to get it out there. He is going to have his say. His voice will be Four heard. Four years an informant? 
He knew about the bribery, extortion, kickbacks, money laundering of Putin's agents, if you will, in the U.S.? Yes, and he will be able to lay that all out for everyone, and he will do that for Congress, and specifically for Congress. And I, I know, you know, John and I have been working on this for months and months and months. Another clarification um, in the story, they called him a lobbyist. He was not a lobbyist. He was a consultant, which was very different. And remember, he was the one that came to the U.S. government. He came to the Justice Department with this information. I'm, I'm guessing, John, at the end of this, this, this FBI informant is going to end up being the hero. That helps but, the. But yeah, I don't know whether here. I mean, that's other people's decisions to put white hats and black hats on people. But he is going to be an extraordinary fact witness because he gathered so much information. There are videotapes where the Russians are opening up briefcases full of cash. These are the people that we then gave uranium to, that we then gave nuclear fuel contracts to. When and people see these videotapes, all this is happening before they sign off on uranium. That's right. They knew about bribery, extortion, kickbacks, money laundering before. They knew this was Putin. They did it anyway. The Russians must think we are really dumb. Uh, that's funny that you would say that, Sean, because there was a conversation that the uh, informant attended where they actually said that about Americans, and we'll be reporting on that soon. But the Russians really thought they had played America on this one. Wow. Um, all right. We will get to the bottom of this. Let me go back to this story about McCabe. We had the tarmac meeting. We had, Sarah, uh, it, it's not an investigation, it, it's a matter. We had uh, the exoneration letters written beforehand. Now Andrew McCabe had given a special status. Is that equal justice under the law, Sarah? Is special status? Do I get special status when they're investigating me? No, we don't. And according to FBI law enforcement officials who were involved in the investigation, that is something that they were so concerned about. Um, you know, a lot of these FBI agents had reported this, and they are reporting this. So this is something that's very important. There was no special status for other people, but there was special status for Hillary Clinton. And we can see progressively by all the evidence what uh, former director James Comey did and how he changed things. Um, gross negligence was removed. Uh, so these That's are right. a lot of issues that I think Congress, as well as the DOJ, is looking into. Remember, there is an inspector general's investigation. So we will see where this will lead. But I can tell you this, Sean, there are FBI agents out there that, that truly believed there was no equal justice here. Thank God for those, those good, good few. John, don't think you slipped it past me with me not catching it. That you talked about next week and you talked about yeah. Monday. And don't think you're getting off this show without me asking you specifically where you're going with this next step. Because this is unpeeling the layers of an onion. And I think when we get to the core, it's going to be pretty rotten. Yeah, listen, we, uh, there are now allegations in the public that this guy didn't have anything to do with Uranium One reporting, and we, we're going to be able to show that that's simply not true. And you have that to ask yourself why. Today. Could I, oh, that the Justice Department leak was wrong? Well, the, what, the, what the lawyers are quoted as saying, that they don't think there's any connection to Uranium One and the Meekerin case, we, we, we have seen documentation that absolutely refutes that. Sarah? Absolutely. It absolutely refutes that. So... Stay tuned. Let me go back to the Russian dossier, Sarah. I'll stick with you on this because this is another matter. We, we went over the email service. I think that will still come back into play. But on the, on the Russian dossier, we know that Hillary bought and paid for this with Michael Steele. And we know that it was false. And we know it was salacious. And yet they ran with it to influence an election. Here's my question. If, if they're looking at Trump-Russia collusion and they have nothing, even the Manafort indictment is nothing related to this 
and you've got Hillary paying a guy that's getting flies from Russia, why is that not investigated by Robert Mueller, Sarah? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is. We would hope that he would be. I mean, this is expansive investigation, right? Uh, end it on that particular note as far as that particular story goes and and so but that gives you a, a good solid update on exactly where we are headed into the, and it, it I don't think it'll I don't know about this week but uh, uh, I'm still uh, uncovering some more of this stuff on this particular story but then they did make reference to the judicial watch dumping the explosive new FBI emails and um, and this is a treasure trove uh, according to uh, uh, zero hedge. Uh, for those who missed it, we reviewed all of McCabe's many scandals. Uh, he has quite a few, and he's still there, ironically. But this particular FOIA request from Judicial Watch was filed in October of 2016, and they just didn't have time to get to it, I guess. I don't know. Um, the Obama administration didn't. But they released 79 pages of Justice Department documents concerning ethics issues uh, related to FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe's involvement with his wife's political campaign. Uh, the documents include an email showing Mr. McCabe, or Mrs. McCabe, was recruited for a Virginia State Senate race by then-Virginia Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam's office. The news that Clinton used a private email server broke five days later. Uh, five days after that, former Clinton Foundation board member and Democrat Party fundraiser Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe met with the McCabe's and then she announced her candidacy on March 12th. Then Clinton McAuliffe Aligned Political Groups donated almost a million dollars, 700000 about 40% total of her campaign's funds, to McCabe's wife. And uh, they did obtain these uh, documents through a July 24, 2017 Freedom Watch uh, lawsuit filed after the Justice Department failed to respond to the tw October the 24 request. Now, among other things, a new FOAI or IA dump reveals a panicked FBI's efforts to enlist the support of any, an army of lawyers and public relations personnel to deal with the original Wall Street Journal article, uh, which is Clinton ally-aided campaign of FBI officials. Well, if you probably remember that story, and that first revealed McCabe's ties to the Clintons. But none of these emails revealed uh, today are, are more important than the following one. Uh, which showed that McCabe describes how FBI Director Comey was briefed on his ties to the Clintons just bef days before his wife announced her Senate bid. And uh, this showed McCain, uh, McCabe running the response effort to a Wall Street Journal article, um, his version of a timeline of events, etc., cetera, uh, but where he basically just said, we're going to take it easy on Hillary Clinton. She's going to be a, a special case, not, you know, we're not going to go after her the way we went after, we go after, you know, everybody else, especially Republicans. So, and that that is a huge document, Lee. Um, I don't know how, how much of the story you followed, but, I mean, it's almost as if they're just rotten to a core everywhere you look. And I, I was talking much, much earlier about J. Edgar Hoover, and I, I was just curious, what would you think that he, because you know pretty, I think you, uh, as a student of history, I think you might know of him better than me quite frankly, because you were an, an ex-operative of the DOS and you know what took place from the 30s all the way to 1972. I mean, he was basically the first the first real guy in control of the FBI that turned it into the agency that it is. Uh, well, maybe not that it is or that it was uh, before Obama got a hold of it. But what would you say 
to J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, what are the facts behind And what would he think of all this? Would I don't think he'd be proud. But I do know that he used a, a bunch of secret files uh, to keep his power while uh, FBI director. That's why I was director from the inception all the way to the – I mean, that's like over 30 years. Uh, and I know that yeah. um, he didn't get along with the Kennedys very well from what I understand. But what is your take on this before we move on through the other stories? J. Edgar Hoover, and hold on to your seats, whoever liked him, was rotten to the core, completely. Uh, The understanding is that he was homosexual, that he kept about a 1,000-square-foot vault uh, adjacent to his office where he demanded that files on anybody and everybody that ever got on the American radar were kept, including me, maybe you, uh, surely anybody that had the position of the Kennedys, every congressman, every judge, every judge in the United States that ever became a judge. And if he, you know, he he would get a call from so-and-so and they would make a deal and he'd go back there and get his file and he'd decide how much of the file good old so-and-so needed to ruin somebody. Or he'd say, to, he he was a classic on sending somebody out and digging up dirt on them, just like, you know, back in the, the days of Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And uh, all that mess. He, he, no, did he didn't that. like King, did he? He did not like no. King, did he? No, oh, <laughs> no. He spent millions and millions of taxpayer dollars digging up any dirt he could possibly dig up, trailing him, following him all over the United States, trying to trying their best to make sure that he didn't rock their boat. And when he still did it, you see what happened. J. Edgar yeah. Hoover was not above I don't I don't say that he orchestrated anybody, including Kennedy's death, but I'll guarantee you he'd look the other way. I assure yeah, you that he would look the I, other I, way. Now, that movie, many of you, because I, yeah, I don't know who watched it, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did a pretty dang good movie, and it's, you know, it hits the 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 major facts, I suppose you could say. But it was a really, you know, DiCaprio, being the, the, despite the fact that he is a liberal that he is, he's a good actor. He's a very good actor. And um, uh, he did a very good representation of uh, J. Edgar in this particular movie. And I think the movie came out, it was been probably 08 or something like that. It's been a while. But if you haven't ever seen it, I would urge you to watch it. It is fascinating. And he did. Uh, Lee gets it right on that because this guy, Tolson, it was his number two at the FBI, his his special assistant, as they say, and they they were inseparable, weren't they? I mean, they you they did oh, every yeah. they, uh, there was there was an agreement between them folks that they would have uh, lunch and dinner together every day, and um, you know, and they did. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, Tolson and and they did, by the way. But and there there were apparently some skirmishes between. Hoover and Tolson, when he was dating Dorothy L'Amour, he apparently he had dated Dorothy L'Amour, and he got physical with her, and he he wanted to marry her, or he he broke it, and they got in a huge fight. He and 
and uh, I mean they were beating each other up. And anyway, the the thing ended with Tolson telling him he better never mention that girl's name again if he ever wanted to be in the same room with him again. It was like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, but Tolson stroked out, and so he had to quit his job as a number two. And um, and but he you know he was still functional, uh, and and. Hoover ended up uh, dying. Um, when was it? I think it was mid seventies. When was it, Lee? But anyway, seventy-seven. Uh, I think it, maybe? It was, yeah, seven, around that time. And um, he left all of his estate to Tolson, by the way. So, and he had this really strange relationship with his mother, think where he wore clothes. Uh, I would say so. If you leave your entire, you know, I, that's probably a good indication. And he, he never married, okay? And, uh, you know, that was the talk of the town. And I, I, we've seen things about his cross-dressing. So, but anyway, if you want to see a good slice of American history, especially about the Lindbergh baby, the kidnapping and then them finding the dead baby, and then, you know, they finally caught up with the guy who, who supposedly did it. And, you know, uh, he was, I think they put him to death. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did. But anyway, uh, in other news, you know, we've already talked about the $17 million in secret hush money that we pay out for congressional members who uh, harass women. But I did want to hit Lee with this one. Now, the New Age heretic Pope, in this particular case, uh, in continuing his New Age jihad, uh, not long ago issued a climate change dictum. That was about, you know, several months ago which uh, sought to recognize global warming as a sin. And the Pope at the time even offered, yeah, it, it offered advice to the world on how to repair the world's environment, because, you know, he is an expert on that stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Of course. According to the UK, yeah, the UK Daily Mail says that Pope Francis today proposed that caring for the environment be added to the traditional seven works of mercy that Christians are called to perform. Um, the Pope took his green agenda to a new level by supplementing Jesus' call to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and visit the sick with his own call for recycling, carpooling, and conserving electricity. Now, the New World Order Pope has taken his heretical views to a whole new level, folks, by labeling climate deniers as perverse, which is defined as showing a deliberate and obstinate desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. So, so he's not saying anything about the pedophilia, because I tell you, that's all in his organization. Doesn't say much about that, does he? He's not about. He's not no. talking about Hollywood. He's not talking about the politicians, especially the leftists, which he coddles. He's not talking about any of that stuff. He's just saying, if you disagree with him, you're perverse, Lee. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and some of these, there were some of these quotes that I've got for you, but, uh, you know, you, you don't agree with me, you're perverse. And we've all seen the data. I mean, if, if, uh, if you only read the New York Times or the Washington Post, you really have no conception about what the climate hoax is all about. But it has nothing to do with the climate. We've seen ream of evidence, ream of, reams of facts that state that they've been toying around with these blasted temperatures uh, all going all the way back. And remember, McMahon lost his court case against a guy who challenged him. 97. 97, uh, what? They they started meddling with the atmosphere in 1997. By the way, there were so many chemtrails over Matthews this morning, I couldn't hardly see clouds. I mean, it was that bad. It right. was crazy. Just 
tons of them uh, in the hash and the governor, marks like this time. The governor of California went to court with the government, and he he finally made them admit that they were doing it and made the the government admit to at least some of the information about it. They would not tell everything, but he ripped them to pieces because they they admitted to the fact that they were trying to alter the weather over California and were probably responsible for some of the drought. I hadn't seen that uh, story. Yeah. I that that was just recently this week that there was a little blurb of it. But, you know, this is a means to an end for somebody's oh, personal change. agenda. Oh, yeah, they want to change the world's economic system. William Cooper talked about it. I mean, it's just following the template. They want a form of totalitarian socialism. They do not want capitalism because capitalism lifts all boats. They do not want all boats to be lifted. That's the whole thing. And they want to take America down. And Trump is going in the exact opposite direction. He's growing the economy at 4% a quarter. Okay? So, no, that's that's not the right way. That's the wrong way there, dude. I mean, you know, no, you're supposed to be taking America down, not 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 making it wealthier. You're ruining our plans. And, you know, they're really coming out. I mean, this, uh, especially this stuff about AI. But look, the, the Pope is following this particular agenda, and it is an ecumenical agenda that he's trying to, and, and the ecumenical will become oh, yeah? uh, one, uh, a one-world religion by the time he's done, at least to some of his uh, uh, hallowed followers and poor, these poor Catholic parishioners. I don't think many of them are going to be from America, Lee, I'll tell you, because you've got all these bishops over here calling him a heretic. I mean, thank God that uh, you know some of these uh, Catholic folks are still sane, and, and and you know they do mean well. I don't know about their organization. I know that their parishioners are, for the most part, very fine and good people, very you know loving of Christ and all of that. But uh, you know, the, I think the, the the Vatican itself is rotten to a core, isn't it? Oh yeah, it, it's there is um, the one. Scripture Galatians one eight and nine describes the fact that when somebody changes the gospel of God, they are basically put to death beyond redemption. And when they changed the gospel, that was the end for that. What else? They're watching the Bible and changing yeah. changing the fact that you didn't have to have Jesus to go to heaven. That was oh, yeah. pretty much the write-off of that, that, was that really bad. whole system. But the Catholic, yeah, the Catholic Bible is different from the regular King James Version, the Christian Bible. And I remember I put that story up, it was over a year ago, but the, these Catholics are going to say, no, you're full of crap, Barry, you don't know what you're talking about. That's the same Bible. I'm like, no, it's not. And But, but where is it that it differs, Lee, as far as the actual Catholic Bible goes? Well, number one, that... Uh, Mary is, is considered holy and should be worshipped, which is, of course, idolatry and abomination. The fact that the Pope is the vicar of the church of the world and is the representation of Jesus Christ returned or, you know, on the earth. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, he's not raising the dead, he's not healing the sick, and he's not speaking in other languages 
when he needs to, when and if he needs to. So he's not Jesus, okay? He can't exactly. qualify for the job. His resume isn't good enough, and forget that crap. He is. And, oh, and he's a he Jesuit. He has no he right to make judgments. To, he's a Jesuit, but he wasn't supposed to make pope, according to every Catholic canon he, that exactly. there is. Exactly, and you, I looked that up a little bit this last week. They actually manipulated the law as far as, or as far back as when he became a cardinal. They, there was a question, apparently, so says a Catholic professor, of he might be a good pope. Well, he had to be made a cardinal so they could avoid that Jesuit law. A cardinal can become a pope, but a Jesuit can't. So he had to first become a cardinal, then a pope. But that's still, he, I mean, he was still a Jesuit. You're, you're, it, once you take exactly. that Jesuit oath, you remain a you remain. You it's take the oath. Yeah, it is semantic. And, well, but does that mean? Does that mean, Lee, though, that a Jesuit normally cannot become a cardinal, or what does that mean? How does that work together? He should I not they have, could all... He should not really have had either office. Apparently, according to the Catholic professor, he really shouldn't have had either office, and somebody was putting him on a fast track. Long ago to be a pope. Yeah, in any sense, event, he... besides that, he is set up as almost a monarch. And First Peter five says there won't be anybody. You are not to lord over the people of God. You don't do that. But he's yeah, and he seems to have very little faith. He's always worried about climate change. He's always worried about man's control of the climate. It's almost as if he's he's sort of leaving behind his faith in that God will take care of the climate the way he takes care of everything else, right? Well, I mean, he yeah, had, if he had as close a relationship with God as he is supposed to have, he yeah. would be able to almost talk to God or at least get his prayers answered and be able to provide effective answers to the world on what, what is the righteousness in this situation? What do we do? Well, he did. But he exactly, can't. He goes he, back to the politics. I know he does. And so this is the, he is the New World Order Pope. And he is behind, I mean, he is a Marxist Pope. That's where he comes from in South America. Or he's explained Venezuela to you. And, uh, you know, liberation theology, I believe, is one of the things that he was at least exposed to. And he has picked up a good chunk of that. Because he said history will judge those who fail to take the necessary decisions to curb heat-trapping emissions, blame for the warming of the earth. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got his own demons and devils, and I don't think it has anything to do with the real one. As he also said for those who have denied climate change or delayed actions to counter it, he responded with an Old Testament saying, man is stupid. So at least he got to the Bible on that one. But he also said the issue for those who do not believe in God, as you stated, and as I put in this story a long time ago, those who do not believe in God is to obey their conscience. Sin, even for those who have no faith, exists when people disobey, that, disobey their conscience. That is so wrong on those, so many freaking levels that it's pathetic because psychopaths and sociopaths and other types of mental disordered people do not have consciences, at least as we know them. So they are functioning without any sort of effective consciousness. So therefore, 
they cannot follow their conscience, and therefore they need to follow something else, which they probably wouldn't anyway. But, I mean, there, there are so many holes in his logic that it's pathetic. He says populism is that, evil and ends badly. That, as is, a past a, century that is a corruption. That whole statement is a corruption of one of the chapters Absolutely. in Romans. Well, in, I mean, what Romans, is, where is it? That talks about where people who are not like aborigines. Aborigines, mm-hmm. God has put his law in their hearts that their conscience knows, you know, by their own conscience, so to speak, they know right and wrong. They know not to do abominations. They know not to kill but the a children. Conscience, yeah, but like a conscience you know, is a but societal function. he has corrupted function. the whole it's, state. It's, he has corrupted the absolutely. whole thing. Remember the passage, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things. So, uh, and that's the one I always refer back to. He said populism is evil and ends badly as a past century. Folks, populism, I don't even like to refer to it in that particular term. You could call Obama a populist when they elected him back in 08, couldn't you? I mean, really? You could call mm. him. He was the quintessential populist, okay, because he was trying to appeal to everybody uh, no matter what, and he lied through his teeth to do it. Trump was very upfront. And I don't, I don't even refer to him as a populist. I don't like calling him that. I think he's a conservative, and I think he is a traditional American conservative. Uh, I don't know if you would call him a Reagan conservative. In many ways, uh, he is more conservative than Reagan was on a host of various things. But uh, he also said, uh, the Pope did, that it is true that the idea of – I love this one, or really I hate it, but I, you know, it is true that the idea of conquest is inherent in the soul of Islam. However – it is also possible to interpret the objective in Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus sends his disciples to all nations in terms of the same idea of conquest. Now, folks, that is just so much bullshit. I mean, we are not ordered to hate people and bash their skulls in and murder them and behead them. We are ordered to love them, even our enemies. There is, and It's just incredible, this Pope is. And I don't want to waste any more time on this idiot, okay, this Pope that uh, this uh, this... He is an abortion of anything that uh, any true Christian believes in. He's pathetic. Okay. So, uh, now, by the way, Hillary is fantasizing about leaving Earth to be president on another planet. Did you know that? American Mirror has a story. Hillary Clinton really wants to be president, even if that means blasting off from Earth to do so. The failed Democratic candidate recently talked with Now This, a liberal online news outlet, where she pined for a president. <laughs> I bet she did. While discussing a variety of topics, Clinton envisioned leaving Earth and venturing uh, Earth 2, where that planet apparently faces the same issues as the actual Earth. She says, we won't, uh, We went to another planet with Hillary, the caption reads, as Hillary and now uh, that's Nico Pitney fired off a series of uh, topics. He says, people joke about Earth 2, where you are president. Uh, Hillary was giggling. She was probably uh, drinking something. He, he said, regarding Earth 2's North Korea, Clinton said she would have uh, full-on diplomatic pressure to solve the crisis with the uh, stupid little monkey dictator. Clinton said if she was in charge, she would be putting as much money as it took. I bet she would (laughs) into the laws we already have, right? Laws don't work on foreign nations. After answering our question about the opioid crisis, a handler attempted to cut off the interview. I fear we have to end it here, a voice off camera said. Okay, Pitney responded. You want one more? I'll be short. One more, because I like being on Earth, too, Hillary said. Penny then asked Clinton what she would do about Russia. 
This is a boy. This is a load of. She says, if I had been president or on Earth too, where I am, Hillary said she would have an independent commission looking to the <laughs> alleged rushing hacking of the uh, presidential election. Would you also have them look into your uranium one scandal, Hillary? We would like to ask. Or about those thirty-three thousand emails that you deleted and then ashen washed under subpoena, no less. She says, "I worry about eighteen. I worry about twenty-twenty, because this is the first time we've been ever been attacked and not imposed any real consequences on our adversary." Clinton asserted, ignoring moves by. I, what the hell is she talking about? I tell you. Anyway, so that's uh, she wants to be president on Earth too, Lee. And uh, meanwhile, as I stated earlier, Merkel, right, which is her basically her her fraternal twin across the the uh, across the planet, is uh, signaling a new election after our coalition collapse. Folks, that is the failure of globalism right there. And and Germany is number one. I mean, they're the freaking Fourth Reich for heaven's sake, uh, and it's not going well for them. As far as Facebook goes, I don't have much time to get into that, but I will tell you that as I was posting the other night. Uh, Facebook uh, came on, and I only post 25 because I didn't want to tick off the Facebook people, and I can tick them off. I can hold my mouth wrong, okay, and they get mad at me, and then they ban me for like 8 or 21 days or whatever. So um, I was posting, Lee, you'll love this, and uh, they said you have been, uh, basically you said you are now forbidden to post anywhere anymore. It says because you were posting too fast. <laughs> I was like, what? Posting too. What the hell does that mean? Posting too fast, uh, folks. I mean, you, they make. Are you? Uh, what? You, you, you don't know what that means. Yeah, well, it means I was posting too. It, actually, it means that they didn't like what I was posting. Uh, but it was a true and real story, and they called it, "Oh, that's spam." And it wasn't spam. It was a story about Charlie Rose. Everybody knows about Charlie Rose now, but they didn't like it because apparently they worship Charlie Rose like most other liberal elites do. Uh, or so-called elites. They're not freaking elites. But uh, Peter Thiel, folks, is selling off his remaining Facebook stake. He's selling all of his shares. I mean hundreds of millions of them. Folks, that means something, okay? And it really, my experience with Facebook, a paying customer, by the way, uh, paid advertiser for other things that I'm doing, commercial, you know, business stuff, uh, you know, they treat me like I would never treat any customer of mine, I can tell you. And I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just doing what they allow me to do, and they still get mad at me. Now, see, this is where your obnoxiousness, all of their ties to DARPA and the CIA and, you know, the FBI, where they keep a, a database of uh, pretty much everybody, and they allow the government to freely go through it. And I'm like, well, you know, I got all my stuff out there anyway, so who really cares? But, um, yeah, yeah the, the folks... I, I don't see Facebook. I, I, I mean, I'm really starting to look at LinkedIn. I'm, that doesn't mean I'm going to get off of Facebook, but LinkedIn, I never get harassed. Okay, I, I don't have like you know 7,000 people on uh, LinkedIn the way I do Facebook. But you know what? I, I mean, they build up every day. Um, and if I focus more on LinkedIn, I could probably have more there. As far as companies go. Their revenue for employee, per employee, all of all of those things are roughly the same. LinkedIn does just as well as Facebook, as far as that goes. But it's more for business types, uh, which is fine as far as. But you know, I like the reason I use Facebook. It, the spread is massive, and it's not just business; it's everybody. 
So this is, but so anyway, I mean, but this is, I've been doing stories, I did one of the first stories on Facebook uh, as they persecuted the conservatives, and it just continues to go. But now, uh, the next story, Trump DOJ to revoke U.S. citizenship of immigrant pedophiles guilty of sexually abusing children. Now, this story was hot. Now, now I think this is the first step uh, of, of several that they are going to take towards ejecting these criminal immigrants who should not, under any circumstances, have been allowed to become U.S. citizens, folks. Now, what they're doing uh, is the Department of Justice on Tuesday has filed lawsuits to revoke the U.S. citizenship of five immigrants who pleaded guilty to sexually abusing minors in the incidents determined to have taken place before they became naturalized. Okay, so they lied. Fox News is there. How do you, I mean, if they talk about vetting and they can't even vet our own immigrants that become citizens, Lee, uh, even when they do a crime here, apparently, these individuals, according to the Justice Department, unlawfully procured their U.S. citizenship by concealing sexual abuse of minor victims during the naturalization process. Committing fraud in any immigration matter undermines the integrity of our system and is a betrayal of the American people's generosity. And so, and, and folks, now you can go read NC Fire. Uh, I think it's ncfire.org. Uh, that's just in North Carolina. A good friend of mine runs it. Uh, well, not a good friend, but a, a, an associate, let's just say, runs it. Uh, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he uh, is called NC Fire. You look at the crimes and the sexual perversions. Uh, you know, it reminds me of that uh, bishop down there in Mexico, Lee Daniel who uh, tried to exercise the entire nation because it was just so thick with demonic activity. And uh, right. well, there's a reason for that. And uh, I believe this this pedophilia thing, we know that this is part of the satanic movements. That's one of their key aspects is to, is to what, just to, to uh, adulterate and make, uh, I mean, just, just destroy anything that's pure, which as a child is pure. And, you know, just to ruin it, because that, that you do, if, if they don't get over it, they're going to be ruined for the rest of their lives if they remember it. But it, either way, it's going to have a serious effect on their mentality, because there's a lot more to sexual relations than just the physical act, I believe. So, um, uh, and we, in other stories, we have quite a few. But I wanted to hit this thing, Lee, because we're getting the last little bit of the show available, uh, about... Um, What's happening worldwide and here is some of this crazy stuff. But most especially, while we have a little bit of time left, I wanted to hit this thing about this religion creating God-robot a billion times smarter than humans. And it does remind me of this, uh, you know, what the Bible refers to as the image of the beast. And uh, according to this, uh, let me get rid of this. Good grief, I hate that. Um let me kill this volume from there we go, so we'll do that again. All right, so um Anthony Lewandowski has created the way of the future. He says he he's calling it, Lee, a religion, okay? Um a religion based around super powered artificial intelligence. And boy, doesn't doesn't this sound chillingly familiar? The tech boffin, they call him, is looking for followers of his new religion to help him build a super intelligence into a robot, which they then will worship. When asked about how powerful the robot would be, Levansky is not shy in talking up its intelligence. So, so they're actually, Lee, here it is, man, a new religion formed to create an artificial intelligence god 
And uh, I, I think this is, I mean, a lot of people believe this is where it's going, don't they? I mean, and it's starting to look that way. People are this dumb. They will create their own God. And isn't it just like them creating these graven images? Going all the way back to ancient Israel when they were escaping from the Egyptians and leaving, uh, I mean, going towards the land, and they started creating idols. They just molded them out of gold and started worshiping them. What the hell is it with people that want to do this kind of stuff? I don't get it. Well, number one, they are probably not saved or redeemed or whatever words you want to use for it. They do not know God, the real one. Their God is one of the local guys, you know? Like their God is the street corner drug dealer or the street corner loan shark. Yeah. You know, it's their source, their little demigod, whatever. And their little demigod says, you, you know, in the, in the lesser key of Solomon, there's two levels. The, the regular, the demonic level that has all the, the weird stuff and they walk the earth and do all kinds of stuff. Then there's the powers of the air. Almost right. exclusively the powers of the air demand gold that you bring something to them in sacrifice in gold, you know? And because they're arrogant, you know, they're like, okay, we're worth it. You know, we're higher priced up here. So, you know, it's, it's a whole, but make your, just make your own God. I mean, and, and that's, mess. Yeah. 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 So he says, uh, it's just so, Oh, I mean, I just get so angry with this. Mm. And so, You talk about Thanksgiving. This is the anathema, folks, to Thanksgiving. But I believe, Lee, I mean, this is the way it's headed, isn't it? One way or the other. It's 2017 Uh, years of Lucifer and his demigods trying to warp the planet back to where he's in charge again. Because at the time of Christ, at the time of the birth of Christ, Lucifer ran this planet. Yeah, pretty much. Again. Well, I mean, it, yeah. totally, because God had gotten so mad at the people that he just said, I wash my hands of you. And there was like almost 400 years that there was no priest. There was no teacher. There was nothing to this planet except Lucifer. And, you, well, you know, Jews. if you read the Gospels, the demons were running around. They were normal. That was that was just oh, everyday the, stuff. Yeah, that's true. And, and uh, there are a lot of... Stories and and fables, uh, Grimm's fairy tales is a good uh, source. You know, oh, for yeah. some of these that, that you know. But anyway, they, they came, almost all came from from some fact or some occurrence. Yeah, almost says, every bit of it. He says it's not yeah. a god in the sense that it makes lightning or causes hurricane, but if there is something a billion times smarter than the smartest human. What else are you going to call it? Well, I mean, it's according to who programs it, okay? But uh, Uh, I don't care how smart it's got to be programmed. So people are programming it, ladies and gentlemen. Shit in, shit out, as they say. Outlining the beliefs of this new church. I'm sorry for my language, but I get so furious at this stuff. The way of the future outlaws, supernatural powers, claiming everything can be solved through science, the god of science. They also believe that machines, just like animals, have rights and the right to become super intelligent. 
And in a chilling glimpse into the future, Lewandowski added that computers would definitely be smarter than humans. Well, smart is a very loaded word. By the future, Anthony wants to he wanted to he wants to welcome these machines. He added, if you ask people whether a computer can be smarter than Mr. Lewandowski, has not revealed if he has plans for the robot turning on humans. He, and that's what their Elon Musk and people like him are really worried about: are AI actually taking over? The way of the future religion, however, believes it is important for machines to see who is friendly to their cause. Then that's <laughs> and it was. Now that's not liberal for you, right there. Who is friendly to their cause and who is not? And you know, I mean, this is this is all over Revelation, isn't it? Lee? I mean, this is just so wild. Um, but it, I believe this is where it is headed. It's going to be this type of thing that ushers in this uh, this crazy era. And, um, you know, who knows? Well, I mean, I, I think we know how this is going to go. Not very well, uh, at least for a lot of people anyway. And uh, in France, by the way, they're closing far-right accounts. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that can happen here, by the way. So French far-right leader Marine Le Pen accused two banks of uh, on Wednesday of launching a banking fatwa to silence her National Front Party, closing bank accounts of hers. And her party now, remember, they did this, the Obama regime did this with uh, gun dealers. Remember how they shut off accounts, they wouldn't let them bank. Same stuff. You talk about tyranny, man, that's it. Uh, the bank said they had acted within regulatory requirements, but declined to offer fuller explanation. I bet not. You can read that story here. But then you got the people in Baltimore gripped by fear. They don't feel safe anymore. A, herper, a herpes researcher <laughs> injected patients with the virus at a Holiday Inn. That really sucks, Lee. I mean, normally if somebody's going to a Holiday Inn to get herpes, they at least get sex, right? But in this case, no, they get some crazy freaking doctor. He looks like a third Reich striker, and he's, he's pumping the herpes in them. And there's a lawsuit going on. This guy died from cancer. This doctor did. But uh, he, he ran these clinical trials in a Holiday Inn injecting people with herpes. I mean, that's, that's insane. Uh, and, you know, there's more to the story than just that, but that's the, uh, you know, that's the impetus of it. So, uh, and in other news, Trump did designate North Korea a state sponsor of terror. That's what needed to be done. I believe it was Bush, folks, who took them off the list, okay, to placate them, all right? Uh, because you know how Bush loved uh, anybody that wasn't an American. I mean, he, he loved the Saudis. I mean, they were tight with the Saudis. And you, you see how tight he is with the Clintons and how tight he is with the Obamas. So just another piece of work. Uh, by the way, Kim's missile, uh, the North Korean missile, is capable uh, or will be capable of reaching the USA mainland this year. Uh, and that ain't good, okay? Uh, and and some of the other stories that we had when we as we just rushed to the end of the show here, now and, and I may come back on some of these. But what music do psychopaths like? Now this was interesting to me personally uh, because what is saying is that that uh, the Washington Post is reporting that uh, most of them are more into Bieber than they are Bach. Now I'm a big fan of Bach. And, you know, I love uh, Mozart. I, as a matter of fact, when I do projects, building decks and anything I'm outside where I'm building, I always, uh, 
you know, pull the pickup truck up. We got a really cool sound system in there. And Jack opened the windows, and then I then I hit Pandora and listened to you know Beethoven's Night, Mozart, Vivaldi, yeah, anything Barrack. I love is, is very flowing music. Uh, that's what I like. To, and that, you know, if I hear words, I can't concentrate. But classical, man, I'm in the slot. But anyway, it says in the movies, if you want to establish in one shot that a monster has a human side. Uh, filmmakers play a certain kind of music. There's Beethoven and Clockwork Orange, or uh, The Science of the Lambs uh, and uh, Mozart. Um, anyway, what what they're uh, saying is that as far as the uh, the uh, psychopaths go, they're more into pop music like Bieber, or Justin Bieber, and uh, you know Fifty Cent, and some of these other types, than uh, than than you know they are into classical, which makes really to me perfect sense. Um, now, there was a priest, a Catholic priest, I believe it was in Ireland, and he is warning Christians, uh, get this, this is my favorite time of the year because you celebrate the birth of Christ. He wants to abandon the Word, okay? He wants to abandon Christmas. He doesn't want it. He says we should stop using the word Christmas because it has been hijacked by Santa and reindeer. And this is an Irish Catholic priest. Now, I have a lot of problems with that. I, and I've already talked about Thanksgiving and even Christmas and how market-oriented it is. But they are twisting the original meaning of it, and it's a magical time of year uh, for so many reasons, not just the you know the gift-giving and all of the more... Uh, the other aspects of it, but the gift giving really, when you stop and look at it, represents the gift that God gave to His children. You're doing the same thing with your children. You're giving them gifts, okay? Maybe not nearly as good as the one He gave us, but you know, it's it's still in the same spirit. That's why people give gifts at Christmas, and it's emulating what God did for His children, Lee. And and now you've got this uh, another Irish Catholic, by the way, or a Catholic who is. Uh, he says we've lost Easter. We should abandon the word completely. I don't think we've lost Easter. Maybe he's lost it where he's at. But you know, uh, I don't think we've lost it here. Um, I mean, I don't. Uh, who cares about the Easter bunny and all that bull? But he says he's asking that a space be reserved for believers for whom Christ, Christmas has nothing to do with Santa and reindeer. But uh, he wants to get rid of it altogether. Um, and um, you know, he says it's, it, he just he doesn't want it to be even stated. What do you think about this? Well, there are two sides to the argument on this one, unfortunately. In Jeremiah, I think it is, there is a very strict and very direct prohibition on bringing a tree. It says, do not go out and cut a tree, bring it into your house and decorate it. It says it outright. No Christmas tree. And mainly because the whole concept of it goes back to a pagan worship and that was one of the parts that they did and unfortunately the whole concept that believing people have has been twisted and added to with the pagan beliefs and the retail people to the point that it is so messed up that I I don't want to see it gotten rid of but I would really like to see it go back to the way that it was maybe when I was a child. Exactly, yeah. It, and, you know, it, uh, it, yeah. It, it was oriented to really good times for clean churches. It was times that, you know, the churches and everyone else 
went out and made sure that the the people with less than others had all kinds of stuff. You know, they, they took the poor, all kinds of things. They right. made sure that other people had help. It was just a really good time, you know, through the right. whole holiday yeah. season. Well, it, it still is thank- for many people. It was a yeah, thankful it time. Right. It still is for many people. And the Christmas tree, I think, Isaiah is the Old Testament. It's, it's under the Old Covenant, correct? Is that right? So um, yeah. I, I don't know that that, the, and that, that There that was, was a reason for that. It's, it's according to the emotion that you attach to it. People are not worshiping their trees for the most part. Right. They're just, exactly. you know, it's a symbol for the Christmas season, and so therefore, I don't. I mean, even though you're, you're talking about it, they're they're not worshiping the tree, and it's not they're not doing it as a pagan activity. They're doing it as a represent as as symbolism. For, and, you know, beyond that, I don't know why they – I mean, I've heard a number of reasons why. But anyway, I know it probably goes back to where uh, back in ancient Israel when they started mixing the uh, traditions in order to get people to go along with the, you know, with the dogma. Exactly. That was, uh, you know, that's probably where it came into play. We've had shows on that. But, you know, it, it, it's taken on a new meaning. Uh, and uh, it, it, I think it's according to the emotion that you attach to it personally. It's all about individual, not uh, group think, as far as that goes. So now, um, anyway, I did want to hear what you had to say about it, and you didn't disappoint me. Mystery Blast Rattling Globe. Now, I know you've read about this, Lee. Um, any ideas what the heck this thing is? I mean, it's meteors, uh, supersonic air. They're happening everywhere. Remember back in the, uh, yep. like, oh, wait in that range where we had those strange sounds that were echoing all around and nobody knew. They almost sounded like, uh, what do they call it, safars, those Jewish things that they blow like a horn blowing. And a lot of people thought, oh, that, you know, yeah, shofar, thank you. Um, A lot of people thought that that may be the signals of, you know, what's what's coming, biblically speaking. Uh, I don't know. We still don't know. Maybe in retrospect we'll be able to figure that out. But now you've got these booms. And they're asked, the experts are asking themselves, you know, where they're coming from. They're being heard around the world. They're shaking buildings. <clears throat> they're happening from Alabama to Michigan, Idaho to California, Russia to Denmark. Uh, this was in uh, WND headed. The Alabama uh, boom last Tuesday was heard and felt through 11 counties, but an earthquake was ruled out. Now, I'm looking at the... Uh, the sound graph from it, it looks almost like a nuclear explosion, but I'm sure it's not that. I mean, I'm talking seismically. But the day after Alabamans were shaken by that incident, a similar thing happened in Idaho, and they can't figure it out. So what do you think? Have you heard any answers on this, Lee? I stand with what I said before. I believe it is either a cloaked aircraft coming out of the supersonic or hypersonic speed or a craft coming out of the dimensional into our dimension. So you you don't think it's natural in any way shape or form. And, uh, and no, I don't. You know, like, I don't I okay. do not. No. That's interesting. So what do, what do you think? I mean, I, I hate to uh, zip something over into the is going something's going 12,000 miles an hour. And all of a sudden drops back to, to our, to you know, to subsonic. Can you imagine the concussion it's going to have? Yeah, it's going to be because big. it's almost equal to the sonic 
boom that's created when it breaks the su- the speed of sound that way. But but, and but, you, but we don't have the, any concept the, of what a dimensional if it's a, sonic boom is. Well, true, but a, a dimensional, technically speaking, it's not it's not space that's cha- it's not the speed that's changing; it's the space that's changing. If it was a dimensional aspect, of course we don't know. That's just not even theoretical. That's hypothetical. But um, this, uh, in, in other news, uh, but this, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a relationship here that we do not understand. Possibly, there's all sorts knows. of cloaked aircraft that could be yeah. doing it. And okay. you know, it could be a takeoff of cloaked aircraft that nobody sees, and they could well, be breaking you know, its own barrier. According to the Klingons, a cloaked craft cannot fire. Okay, so that's a good thing, right? They're cloaked; they can't right. fire on you. That's the way. That's the way in the Star Trek world. So, anyway, so uh, the next thing up, we've got the threat of the megaquake sure now. Yeah, it, Cascadia subduction zone. The threat of the big one, folks, has loomed over the Pacific Northwest. Several major cities, Vancouver to California, are cradled by the 620-mile-long Cascadia subduction zone. And remember the eclipse. Remember how it it, it ran mm-hmm. across every major subduction zone in the U.S.? The geological record shows the area is due for a major earthquake, which would likely be followed by a massive tsunami. Now a new study has confirmed the region just off the coast of Washington has the ingredients for a megaquake. And this is like the kind you see in the movies, folks. The Cascadia subduction zone last experienced a large earthquake in the 1700s. Uh, 200 to 530 years is, is the time frame for these things. While it's impossible to pinpoint the exact timing, experts have long warned the region could see another major quake soon. And uh, you can go and see some of the uh, the geological uh, uh, instances of what happened back in that time frame. It's pretty wild if you go to the coast and see, you know, like forest land that had been covered in water all of a sudden that stayed there for a long time, killed all the trees. Anyway, I mean, it actually changed the uh, the entire uh, the the geography of the area. Uh, seismic data and sediment samples found that sediments are tightly packed on the plate off the northern sites. There, little water sits in the pore spaces between the grains, leaving the plates more tr- prone to the buildup of stress. Under these conditions, the sediments are be- better able to stick together and move together in the event of an earthquake, meaning they're also able to move massive amounts of seawater. They are observing, the scientific team has, that these very compact sediments offshore of Washington, northern, northern Oregon, could support earthquake ruptures over a long distance and close to the trench. So they're, you know, they're talking about uh, because of the, uh, the subduction zone that exists from what could happen, uh, it may be ready for another one. That's just another of many of these stories like this. They did also, by the way, have a swarm of earthquakes beneath the San Andreas Fault, and that's making them nervous. So you've got all uh, you've got a lot of activity up and down the West Coast, Lee. And uh, I mean, you know, we don't know when it's going to go, but man, they've been talking about it for the last two or three years, haven't they? Yeah. And I still am trying to find out what's going on with the Mississippi River and it dropping down to one and two feet deep yeah. for 152 miles. I saw that right story. Right over I the to... New Madrid Fault. Yeah, I haven't come to any conclusions there either, but, I mean, that's crazy. That is uh, that's well, very spooky. The geological people are very concerned that the water is going into the fault 
And they said if it has moved that much, that is a real problem. And then they said, of course, you can't compress a fluid. So if it tries to move back, the area is filled up now, so it's got to go somewhere. And they're also and talking about Popocatépetl, that, 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 the one in Mexico City started out as a little, yeah. it wasn't that long ago, started out like a little hill with the smoke coming out of it, grew into a mountain that was like, how many feet tall is that thing? Like, it's very tall. And, uh, it yeah, is, it's it like 8,000 feet. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it goes up in the clouds. Uh, but uh, they're they're worried that it could go next, and that would not be good. So you know, this is just the, the sort of feeding into this thing. Now, the other two stories I, I have this, these clips on uh, 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 Charles Manson talking about being you know a one world government and all that. A lot of people believe that he was trained uh, under MK Ultra or subjected to it, uh, but. Um, the other thing here um, is, where is that story? I had it in here, I thought. Um, hmm. There was a story about the, uh, the earthquakes during certain time periods the, uh, happen a, a great deal more because the earth is slowing down. It's in a cycle of slowing down its rotation. And this is a, basically it's from a lunar cycle, if I'm not mistaken. This is because of what's hap- the interaction between the earth and the moon, as I understand it. But what happens, I mean, when they're talking about the core uh, being influenced, which causes earthquakes during these, and, and the scientists actually looked at it, and uh, they determined that because the Earth slowing, is slowing down, that this causes a great deal more of earthquake activity, okay? Uh, so what have you uh, been, have you noticed any of the stories on this about the slowing down, et cetera? What does that mean? You mean extrapolating? I don't. Exactly. I am not entirely sure. It goes through cycles like every 3,600 years, I think it is, of slowing and changing the speed. The biggest thing is the, uh, in addition to that, is the fact that there is a polar shift. Right. And that is still going on. And that, the change in the magnetic fields around the Earth obviously affect change on the core of the Earth, which changes the speed of it. Now, this story was in Forbes. Now, they're saying that the Earth's rotation is mysteriously slowing down. They're they're kind of putting a a little bit of an, uh, I don't know, because this does, it's a normal cycle. Mm -hmm. But scientists, he says, have found strong evidence that 2018 will see a big uptick and the number of large earthquakes globally, Earth's rotation, as with many things, is cyclical, slowing down by a few milliseconds per day, then speeding up again. And uh, it says we will never notice that, but uh, the Earth certainly does, and they are able to measure the rotational speed of the Earth very precisely. And now they're calculating the slight variations on the order of uh, you know this particular uh, phenomena is going to uh, maybe cause Shows acting up. There we go. So, uh, so this is now. This what it does though is it feeds in to uh, what what they're saying about what could be happening. You know, uh, all of these cataclysms that are taking place. 
and they could be increasing and there is a scientific explanation for it but there is also a biblical template that we can look at predicting it and they say this could be one of the worst ones ever okay when they go back and look at the history final words lee um before we head out i yeah it's it's the beginning of what they call birth pains for a new era and very well it be. gets and worse before it gets better. <laughs> I hope not. God bless you all. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be back, God willing, next week at 7 p.m. We thank you so much for joining us. Numbers continuing to increase. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, the show. And enjoy your Thanksgiving vacation. I think you deserve it. Take care. Thank you, Lee. Happy Thanksgiving to you. God bless you all.